0: Hello everybody, welcome to this very special episode of the Cadaver Lab Podcast.
1: I'm Mike, and with me as always is Johnny. What's up, man? Not much, man. Ready to talk about this awesome franchise. What is it? We're doing the Phantasm Retrospective.
0: Now, why did we decide to do the Phantasm Retrospective as a bonus episode?
1: I don't know. I've been wanting to go back and revisit these movies, and I figured it hasn't been talked about on the Cadaver Lab yet, so... No, not at all, in fact. And, uh, you know, you brought it up, uh, uh, what, well, you know, a couple
0: maybe a month or something ago. And uh, you said that you'd picked, I don't know, did you pick up like a box set or something, or did you just pick up all the movies or what?
1: No, I had uh, picked up part four.
0: Oh, and it uh, finished off your
1: your yeah. collection.
0: Ah. Yep. Well, you know, it's funny because uh, I, I haven't seen these in quite some time. And uh, I remember thinking. I remember just thinking, yeah, I I didn't really realize that uh, how good they were. I'd seen them before, but I didn't really they didn't really make a huge impression on me. However, I'm glad that we revisited them. And for this episode, we are going to be dedicating everything to it. Ferguson's going to supply a lot of cool stuff for us, and um, we're also going to be playing some music with Phantasm theme and and whatever. But um, we're not going to be doing any of our usual segments. We're just going to be busting right through. The four movies in the
1: Phantasm franchise. Awesome. Hey, you know, uh, one thing about revisiting these movies that I thought was kind of cool uh-huh. was, was movies that I liked a lot in the series. Uh-huh. I found found myself not liking as much. And movies that I kind of, you know, brushed aside in the series, I actually really <laughs> liked this time. So it's it's kind of <laughs> neat to watch them because I watched most of these as a kid. Right. Well, so in it's, in it's in whoa,
0: the first one came out in 79 in and and, and and you know the second one in what like 88. So it's like you know, I was yeah, I even I even my old balls were young enough to see these as I was a kid, at least the first two. But <laughs> um but honestly, do you want to know the only thing I remember from all four? It's been so long, the only thing I remember balls. is <laughs> the balls, yes. No, <laughs> well, kind of is when that lady when when Reggie's like like, uh, undressing that lady in the middle of the night, and she had um, uh, spheres for boobs. But anyways, we will get to that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's awesome.
0: Man, do you want to just, do? should we just jump right into it? Let's just jump into it, dude, feet first. Man, I, I feel like, man, this this will be the lowest content of, of Cadaver Lab
1: BSing in all of history. We might get an episode out that's under four hours. I
0: don't, you know what? I wouldn't I wouldn't put my money on it right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> awesome. All right, All right man. Let's do it. Let's do it. Cool. The first movie is Phantasm from 1979.
2: Phantasm. Is it a nightmare? Phantasm. Is it an illusion? Phantasm. Is it an evil?
0: You have to take me home. What? No questions. You must take me home.
2: Phantasm, is it a fantasy? Phantasm, is it alive?
1: There was nobody driving!
2: Whatever it is. If this one doesn't scare you, you're already dead.
3: Phantasm. Music composed by Fred Miro and Malcolm Seagrave. I don't know shit about Malcolm Seagrave. Just not a whole lot of information or uh, what he really did or worked on. Uh, There is a lot known about Fred Miro, though. Um, Fred was actually a composer and conductor who pretty much traveled the entire world. His father was a composer as well, mostly did uh commercial type stuff, though background music. Fred worked in uh, popular music, he worked in uh, art house music and began you know scoring film, especially with uh, Coscarelli. Fred really did compose music all around the world and was proficient in uh, so many different kinds of music, but he was really at home with. Uh, jazz-based, smaller, you know, kind of ensemble and uh, synthesizers and keyboards. He actually had his own studio, which is where he probably did this score, um, in his house. And uh, it was just mostly, you know, uh, synthesizers, uh, keyboards, and kind of just a jazz ensemble. You've got a uh, drum set. There's some bongos, maybe some congas in there. Guitar, electric guitar appears just for a little bit, for the most part it's all keyboard synthesizer and um, the uh, funeral uh, organ what's interesting about this score everybody knows it for the uh, main theme which actually doesn't even appear until about 10 minutes into the film Uh, the title sequence and the entire beginning, it's all a kind of uh, these chords or these single drone notes um the thing about this score uh that I think you realize when you hear the later scores is how limited they were on this one. Um I don't know if it's a time restraint thing or just what they uh had access to um budgetary, you know, for budgetary reasons or what whatever, but you can tell they're kind of um there was more they wanted out of it than what they got. Um there isn't any like thick chords. There isn't any, uh, like harmonic movement. There isn't much development. Uh, the theme as it appears usually appears in the same form, uh, the main theme. And, um, there's a descending line underneath it in a, um, the only real variations you get is whether this theme underneath really appears, uh, you know, how it appears, if it appears alone, if it appears, uh, with it. And, uh, You know the the theme might be a quicker tempo or slightly slower, but other than that, that's pretty much how it appears. And it always strikes me as odd the first time that that uh, theme actually does appear, because if you think to the movie, um, it's actually when our main character is uh, is following around his older brother Jody, uh, like stalking his older brother, which always seemed strange to me. But that's where the theme first appears. The uh, funeral organ does play a big role in the score, Um, especially, you know, moments when they're actually at the the funeral home. But you'll kind of notice this main theme doesn't have one specific character or one specific uh, reason that it's in the score. It's kind of an overarching theme um, that's used throughout because it can appear uh, for Jody you know, when he's, uh, going up to the funeral home or coming back, it can appear for uh, the tall man. Um, it just kind of comes in and out, uh, in different places, almost without reason. Uh, it just seems to, to fill in, uh, spots. Uh, Fred actually, uh, was friends with Jim Morrison and, uh, he worked a lot with, uh, jazz and, uh, Rock bands in in Los Angeles and uh, back in New York, and you can really see you know the influence of of of, uh, of all that here. Um, it's really cool to think that this uh, score is so iconic in horror and has such a place where where people recognize it because it's not a big orchestra. It really is just a stripped down jazz band that you're listening to you know and it's it's cool to think that this guy was proficient enough as a uh, composer as a musician that he could actually come up with a score and orchestrate it just for this smaller ensemble and get so much out of so little and uh, it really is a testament to the idea of uh, you know simplicity getting the most out of the smallest amount it really is the theme itself that stands out. And this is definitely one of those things that fits in there with a theme like Carpenter's Halloween theme, where it's a repetitive pattern. It's this ostinato that that just, you know, keeps um, kind of pounding away. And it creates, um, just by the nature of the theme and its repetition, creates uh, an unsettling feeling or it creates this tension. And um, the fact that the theme doesn't, move the theme stays right there repeating and it's the sounds underneath it that kind of move around or that um, that go through variations that that really creates this uh, this just this perfect match for uh, for a horror movie, especially one like this that's really kind of surrealist. And it's interesting to note that a lot of other composers, most other composers, don't do stuff like this in horror movies, even though they know full well that it works incredibly well um, if you just look at this or Halloween but you know, for some reason they just don't do it one thing that strikes me as odd is the fact that there isn't more guitar in the uh, in the score considering guitar does play you know a part throughout the movie you would think that would kind of be tied in with uh, characters but Again, you don't find any of these themes actually being tied to characters. Um, They just kind of... Miro, I think, was scoring more for situations and scoring more for uh, where the characters are at more than just the characters themselves, if that makes sense. Um, A lot of time, composers will give uh, a few main characters their own themes and develop those with the story. But this seems to be that the, uh, the, the themes that he wrote actually fit the story or fit what's going on more. Um, so it's just a different uh, type of comp- composition. And yes, this score does kick ass. I'll admit I don't listen to it as much because I actually prefer the later ones.
4: Hello. I'm Angus Scrim. Some time ago, word reached me that a gifted young filmmaker with whom I'd worked previously had a role for me in a new film. I would play an alien, he said... And that was all he was going to tell me about it for the moment. My mind raced with the dramatic possibilities. An eager immigrant from the old country, meeting the struggles, the heartbreaks, but the eventual triumphs in the land of opportunity, America. Would I play an Irishman, a Russian, a Chinese? I'd have to master the appropriate accent. Maybe I'd speak initially in another language. Yo hablo un poquito Espanol. Je parle Francais un peu. Pompu, de net noy crop. The young filmmaker was Don Cascarelli. The role he offered me was an alien indeed. A sinister, tall man from another dimension who plundered small-town America's graveyards for dead bodies to be shipped back to his world as slaves. He didn't speak with an accent. about all he ever said was, Boy! Don Coscarelli wrote, directed, produced, photographed, and edited that film, which was, of course, phantasm. It was an enormous success all over the world in the spring, summer, and fall of 1979, It has remained a great favorite throughout the years, and it has spawned a series of colorful, inventive, terrifying sequels. Now, by means of this latest entertainment incarnation, Phantasm is here for your enjoyment. You will be seeing a film that holds a very special place in countless hearts. And know that as you watch... The tall man will be watching with you. Just behind you, there, in the shadows. You play a good game, boy, but the game is finished. Now you die.
1: The IMDb score for this is six point seven. This was filmed on a budget of three hundred thousand dollars, and it made eleven million back. So it was a it was a huge, it was a huge, you know, big success. Time. Mm-hmm. I mean, for, for an independent movie, it was, well,
0: well, let's think about 300 K times what equals 12 million that, I mean, that is a huge return on investment.
1: Well, not only that, but they put, this was all their own money in this, like the, his, uh, Don Coscarelli's parents and people helped fund this. I mean, this was all their own pocket money.
0: You know what? And can I, can I add something that maybe he's getting a little bit ahead and I hate to, I hate to cut you off so soon in the show. Oh my gosh. Cool. I'm starting early, aren't I? Um, <laughs> You know, I mean, let's see 1979. I mean, this is a time where, uh, you know, there was low, there was all, all sorts of low budget films or horror films and stuff going on. But it's funny that this is one of the most, in my opinion, if you look at what's going on, one of the most ambitious types of stories that, um, you know, that they were coming out. We have a, we have aliens, we have Jawas, we have flying balls, you know, and so. <laughs> and then we had this
1: movie too. <laughs> right <laughs> huh. Oh, man. The, the thing the thing with this you were right this movie really is ambitious, and there there's nothing like this this movie that's why I want to talk about this series is that it really is a standalone idea in horror
0: well and i mean we'll get to talking about the when when we get to the characters let's let's stop and talk about the the tall man as a as a villain because I mean there was. There, there has been nothing before and
1: really nothing since, except for maybe that guy in
0: Poltergeist. I can't remember. Oh his name. yeah, and and
1: when I was a kid, I did get them confused. Like little little kid. Uh huh. Like when I was like six years old, I was like, I used to think they were kind of the same guy, but it's because they're know. both
0: old and they have gray hair and they're and they're dressed up in their, uh, you know, their old time clothes and whatever. But
1: what what was the guy in Poltergeist? Kane. Kane, is that right? Yeah. I can't. I remember. think it is. I'm pretty time. sure. I think it is. Yeah, okay.
0: No, but right. but but other than that, I mean, it was it was pretty. What year did what year did Poltergeist come out? Uh, oh, 1982. Yeah. Are you kidding me? So so he came. This, this was um, well. Plus, he the cane wasn't in the first the the original Poltergeist, was he?
1: Nope. He showed up in the sequel.
0: Oh, you're okay. Yeah, no, so that's right. So this is definitely you know something that we hadn't seen and, and we rarely have seen since.
1: Yeah, and just so you know, the uh, little people in this this was they were actually conceived before. Um, what were they, the little guys in Star Wars? Jawas. Yep, the Jawas. Because they talk about that in the commentary, about how this movie predates that.
0: Oh, are you serious?
1: Yep, in fact, uh, they no, were... No, that,
0: that came out in 79, didn't it? But it, the, but this that, one was filmed... Did it start come in 77? Oh, 77.
1: Yeah, and this, was, oh, this right. was filmed in 76, 77. And what happened was, was Don Coscarelli got wind of that he he heard that that studio had characters that were similar so they were trying to trade pictures and stuff and see how similar they would be.
0: Well, exactly similar?
1: <laughs> yeah, they're exactly the same. Jeez. <laughs> but uh all right, this movie was written and directed by Don Coscarelli and we can go ahead and say right now that every movie is written and directed by Don Coscarelli.
0: Well, in in uh we yeah, we can also we can also say for the 6 degrees that this, uh, that this stars Reggie Bannister, who was in Bubba Hotep with uh, Bruce Campbell. Let's just get those out of
1: the way. Exactly. We don't have to touch on them again. <laughs> exactly. Because, I mean, we're, there are a lot of things that you'll retread in this. Um, <laughs> but this movie stars Michael Baldwin as Mike, Bill Thornsbury as Jody, Reggie Bannister as Reggie, and Angus Scrimm as the tall man. Which is really cool. They didn't give him a name. I I like that because it's it's unique to have a to have a horror, horror icon that doesn't have a name. Like, we, I mean, he's the tall man.
0: I agree, and um and it's funny because I I think what's going to happen in this episode is that we're gonna at least I'm going to be I think we we may talk a little bit about uh, subjects that span all four, <laughs> but you know as we're going through, but uh, you're right. We don't even know who this guy is until the fourth one. I mean, we have no clue who he is. Or or what he's really up to and whatnot. Is that right, or am, I, or am I getting them mixed up? In three, do we find out?
1: No, it's part four.
0: Okay. It's and part it, four. And it's like, uh, I mean, he's given a name then, but as you watch part four, we find out that um, something happens to where It's no longer Jebediah Morningside.
1: Exactly. Right. And uh, you can tell when he comes back to that. But we'll get to that. Yeah, because his hair's combed different. Anyway. Um, the plot summary for this after the passing of his parents and a friend Mike fears his brother Jody is going to abandon him causing him to follow Jody everywhere they soon discover that their local mortuary hides a legion of hooded killer dwarf creatures a flying silver sphere of death and is home to the sinister mortician known only as the tall man who enslaves the souls of his victims after a few close encounters they enlist the help of their friend Reggie for the final showdown and that's pretty much it. I mean, the movie starts off where you base it shows a lot of him following Jody everywhere he goes. Right,
0: he's just a little kid. Was he like thirteen years old?
1: Yeah, he was really young. He was thirteen. Mm-hmm. And so basically, Jody, you know, does. He, I think he's trying to pawn off his brother because he's only in town for the funeral, right? Well, yeah, because his parents died, and so you
0: know, so Jody, the older brother, uh, is uh, you know kind of become the only person that Mike really has, you know.
1: Yeah, and and that's why he's like he's real worried about Jody, but or I'm sorry about um Mike, but at the same time, Mike's worried that Jody's just going to leave, so right. he's visiting a psychic, and she's telling him not to worry that Mike will be there for you, and right, it's this whole it's this whole thing to where. That ultimately is what causes their involvement with the tall man. Yep. They One day he's spying on Jody after the funeral, and he notices the tall man lifts up the casket and by himself, a 500-pound casket, and puts it in the back of a hearse by himself. Yep. So it's at that point that Mike decides to start investigating, and he goes, for, for some reason late at night, he goes into this mortuary, kicks in a window, <laughs> and while he's in there, he gets uh, accosted by... A creepy looking, what, what was that guy, just a minion or something? Uh, I guess so. Well, he grabs Mike, and as he's holding Mike, the tall man throws one of his balls at him, which <laughs> sounds really bad, <laughs> and it sticks It sticks the guy in the head. Right. And at that at that point, it drills his head and sucks his brain out, splatters on the ground, and when he hits the ground, you see that he actually urinated himself. That's right. Did you notice that? I did. Well, I didn't in the beginning, but I read some notes, and I
0: went back and watched it.
1: Yeah, it was really cool. So he then leaves, and he's trying to. Well, I don't even think he tells Jody at that point, does he? Uh,
0: well, I think he. Yeah, I think he waits to, uh, to, to kind of prove it to him.
1: Well, no, no. I I think actually I think he does because I think, as he's running away from that guy, is when he cuts off the old uh, the tall man's finger. Oh, that's right, and yeah. he takes the fingers home. Exactly, and he has this one finger in this box. Then he tells Jody he's sitting there he's sitting there sleeping on the stairs with a shotgun <laughs> in this box and his brother gets home and he's like, Well, what are you doing? And he shows him and they open this box up and there's a crawling finger inside of it. <laughs> yeah. they Balls take the... in a
0: in a quote unquote finger in a box. <laughs> Not a exactly. dick in a box. Okay.
1: <laughs> it's a dick in a box. <laughs> that was beautiful. And, uh, <laughs> but the uh the finger turns into some kind of gigantic fly with red eyes and sharp fangs and attacks both brothers. And right when they think they have it killed inside the garbage disposal, their friend Reggie comes over and the fly comes back for revenge. Oh, dude, that part was awesome because the,
0: that, that that little monster, it, it was just on the verge of looking like kind of a, a little Muppet, but, Oh, it did. It really did. But you know it, the funny thing is, is it's like in that scene I think would have kind of been extra cheesy if it hadn't have been for you know uh, uh, those those three guys getting together when Reggie and Jody and Mike were all taken care. I loved it when all three of those guys were in a scene. Uh, and, oh, and, absolutely! And and I they think, were awesome. Yeah, and it's it was this scene where you know they're they're the the flies you know struggling and they have it in a towel and. You know, it's flying all the way. It was, it was a pretty good scene. It was pretty funny.
1: Oh yeah, it was, it was great. And I didn't say this earlier, and Ferguson will probably touch on this a little bit. Mm-hmm. But this movie, from the very beginning, establishes a classic horror theme. Oh yeah, like the music is it, so awesome, man. The music in this, it, it's, it's memorable, just like uh, Psycho, Nightmare on Elm Street. Any you know of what movies. it reminds
0: me of? Kind of like uh, Exorcist. Uh, yeah, the, tu- me the tubular bells. If it was. Uh, Put together by Argento, or not by Argento, by uh, Goblin.
1: Dude, this whole movie. Shelley said that to me. She said, "This reminds me of something that Claudio Simonetti would do." And I said, "That's that's what I thought when I saw this. Was that yeah. it was very Goblin-esque." Well, there you go. So, and especially when the drums and stuff kicked in. Yep, exactly. It, yeah. it, it reminded me of like Deep Red or like Tenebrae or something like that.
0: Well, and it was like I mean, there was that theme that kind of played throughout, you know, you know, in different different variations and whatever. But you're right. I mean, there was, in fact, I just watched Dawn of the Dead a, a couple of oh, maybe a week ago or whatever. But uh, you know, when, was, when that got into kind of the, the 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 drums and the full thing playing, that's kind of, there. There were parts in this that really reminded me of
1: that. I can see that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we should probably talk about the the lavender lady. Okay who she basically is the alter ego of the tall man and it seems like she's there basically just to lure in uh young men so she can kill them and he can take their he can harvest their souls
0: well here's the deal she's a pretty hot well i mean you know decent well let's just put it this way basically she she would bone somebody you know without without a lot of uh work let's just say she's she's uh, easy
5: <laughs> i don't want to
0: disrespect her but but uh, you know she she's hot enough to uh, that uh, she can get away with that. However, the, the the lavender lady they call they call her that because of the um, what's that called what's that makeup called you put on Revlon, your, no, no no oh uh, no no your eyeshadow your eyeshadow man that was freaking blue she did look like a prostitute yeah she got the whole the whole story actually begins because one of their one of Mike or not Mike's uh, uh, Jody's original buddies Jody and uh, Reggie's original buddies. Uh, was killed by the lavender lady. I yeah, can't remember was like, his name.
1: Um I can't remember either. Anyway. Rick, no. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, did you know those were not her boobs? Oh no. Yeah, apparently she wasn't comfortable doing that. So wait, wait. Shots... a woman
0: that will put on that much eyeshadow wasn't comfortable showing her boobs. Exactly. You it know what that was that was shallow minded of me. <laughs> because not everyone who dresses like a hooker is the one, okay?
1: I, I wouldn't go that far. Oh, okay. um, <laughs> she actually said she was sitting in the premiere of this with her mom, uh-huh. and her mom looked over at her in the scene where it shows the boobs, uh-huh. and her mom said, oh, you should have done that. You have way better boobs. Oh, are you serious? Yeah.
0: <laughs> so I thought that Awkward. was really funny.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that wasn't Jody's ass either for all of you wondering. Oh, that is too bad. Like, what is up with these uptight people, man? Show your ass and your boobs. It's not a big deal. Well, my only problem is, is I I
0: wouldn't want everyone to see the fruit basket. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it might be a be little, little scary. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know if I want that. Uh, I mean, cause I remember what was it? The burning Fisher Stevens. His fruit basket was there for everyone to see. He hasn't lived that down yet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just nice. The um, so I mean, a lot of stuff happens in this story, but ultimately. Reggie, Jody, and um, Mike all end up going. Well, my, well, Jody. Um, Reggie has a an ice cream truck accident, <laughs> <laughs> yes. and he he disappears along with the two girls that were taking care of Mike while Jody was doing some investigating of his own. Mm-hmm. And so, what eventually happens is Jody and Mike are at this house. And they're trying to figure out what's going on, and Reggie pops back up and says, oh, no, we were just being held in this room, and I let the girls go, and we're all fine. Right. And it, not everything seems right because they're noticing – they find that room with all the midgets in the – or the – I'm sorry, the doors in the barrels. Uh-huh. And it has the two – what would you call it, like a magnetic – what would you call that thing? That female? well, yeah,
0: just two little. I guess. I guess what it lo- what it looked like was just two uh, cylindrical, thin cylindrical silver poles or something that you know maybe about
1: between knee and waist high. Yeah, and, and they acted as a crossover to another dimension. Yep. And I think they. Th- I thought in the first movie that Mike basically said that that was uh, another planet, mm-hmm. and. That the tall man was crushing them into dwarfs because of the gravity and the heat of their planet, mm-hmm. and he was making them slaves. But I, w- I think they established later in the movies that that's not necessarily what's going on. Yeah, well, he didn't know mean shit. He was a little no, kid. I, well, and, and it was just <laughs> a, it was it was just a, he was just guessing, just a because theory. He just he just was he went through the the little portal and he just floated there for thirty seconds. <laughs> yep. So, I mean, he, he he was hanging above Mars. He didn't know what was going on. <laughs> but, yep. um... I, really, this movie, it ends... Should we tell what happens at the very end? I mean, is that going to well, spoil it? We would have to to talk about the other movies, I think.
0: Well, yeah, I think we're eventually going to. But I, 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 maybe we should just say that we're going to spoil the movies anyway.
1: Okay, I mean, yeah, I mean, this movie was made, like we said, in 77. It came out in 79. Um, and if you know that there's a part two, this won't spoil anything for you. <laughs> at the end of the movie... You see Reggie die, and he's stabbed to death by the Lavender Lady. Uh-huh. And right at the very, very end, it it goes to the scene where Mike and Reggie are sitting in front of the fireplace. And Reggie's basically holding Mike and saying, and he says, you know, this story of the tall man, he didn't oh, kill oh, your parents. Oh, oh, oh you're right. And, okay. And he, and he didn't kill Jody. He says, Jody died in a car crash. He said, and I, and I can't replace your brother, but I'll sure as hell try and all that. Right. And Mike's, you know, crying. He doesn't know what's going on. And he says, you know, we're going to hit the road. So Mike says, okay, I'm going to go upstairs. Well, Reggie sits there and he plays guitar because, you know, Reggie Bannister what he does, is a badass. He, he's, he can do anything he wants to.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: He, he's a badass. <laughs> but Mike goes upstairs and as soon as he shuts his bedroom door, you see the tall man sitting there. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he says the iconic line, You play a good game, boy. But now the game is finished. Now you die! Exactly. And then right then, the minions pull Mike through the glass and the movie ends. Yep. And they actually, you know, they could have ended the series there, but I feel that as this went on, that Don Coscarelli was able to make... He was able to write decent stories.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, and also pretty inventive stories. Anyway, so um let's talk about Don Coscarelli a little bit. He... He is known for, the obviously, the Phantasm series. But something I learned that I didn't know is uh, also Bubba Hotep, and he's coming out with Bubba Nosferatu. But did you know he did the Beastmaster in
1: two sequels? I did not know that. I saw that on his IMDb, and it shocked me. <laughs>
0: oh, my gosh. Uh, Beastmaster the movie about a half-naked dude and his weasels. Have you seen it? Oh, yeah. It's Mark, I've never Singer. Seen it. Mark Singer wearing a loincloth with weasels in a in a in the uh, uh like a little uh I guess you call those uh uh fanny packs nowadays. Is it any good? No. Uh, it's okay. No, I don't remember. I've only seen no. <laughs> it's like it's like one of those shows that that, that played on TNT in the nineties like over and over constantly. But uh yeah you probably missed it.
1: I remember hearing about it. I just never saw it.
0: Yeah, it wasn't that great, anyway. Um, one of the best scenes of this—I I just wanted to throw that in there to mention—Mark Singer in his in his weasel and his, and his spears. <laughs> exactly. Um, the uh, the most interesting things about this was the—I th- in my opinion—was the ideas of the balls, and, and I was talking about it before. Oh, no, sorry, the the spheres. Let's call them the spheres. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we find out later on kind of what they are and how they're constructed and whatever. But, I mean, in this one, we really don't know what they are besides flying silver balls. Is that right? Yeah. I didn't miss I mean, anything. No, no, they never explained it. Well, and uh, and I have to say that, that uh, I mean... The balls fly around, or kind of like, and they'll find you, and they'll kill you. How they do that is they have these two little knife things that come out. They attach to your forehead or, or wherever they can. And then a little drill comes out, and it, it starts spinning, and it bores into your head or whatever it gets a hold of. And then out the back of the ball, like the, the, the spray behind a racing boat, a, a, um, a spray of your blood comes out.
1: Now, I thought that was freaking bad to the bone. Oh, yeah, it's awesome. I mean, they were saying in the behind the scenes that it was supposed to be your brain being sucked out. It's supposed to be your brain being sucked out.
0: That, that kind of goes against what we find out a little bit later, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah I think so. Because we, we find out later that basically what it is is, is uh, that you, you're a shrunk and your brain is actually put into one of these balls. Yep. Which sometimes goes back into your head and you're a ghoul it's all very confusing balls and brains that's all you need to know exactly
1: and and honestly every movie makes sense but if you think about them collectively there are some contradictions (laughs) there aren't as many contradictions as a lot of film series have because it is the same writer but you'll notice some
0: well and the funny thing is is i probably only noticed them because i watched these all four of these in the last two days Exactly, yeah. yeah. two or three days. So, I mean, it's funny because uh, I actually noticed quite a few little, you know, and and like I was talking about last last episode, I rarely catch, you know, like movie goofs or inconsistencies or anything like that. But I did catch a few here. I mean, we don't need to bring them up or talk about them because I don't want, I don't know. I I, I don't like it when I know about them and I, so I'm I'm out looking for them. You know, I think, you know, maybe takes you out of the movie a little bit. But, um, but anyway, uh, let's talk about the tall man. He was a freaking awesome
1: villain. Oh, and the cool thing is is Angus Scrimm said he only had five lines in this, mm-hmm. so all he had to work with were his facial expressions, and he did a really good job because he he was very menacing. He had that underbite that he would do, and he had the eyebrow eyebrows. Eyebrows, yep. And it was just very, very creepy. Well, in the home
0: the home movie, he has the facial expression. It's funny because um, one of the DVDs I have, uh, for the original Phantasm, had an introduction by by Angus Scrim, and basically he he talked about uh, you know how he was you know. Somebody came to the came to him, it was probably Costarelli, and said, Hey listen, I want you to be some alien, you know, bad guy. He's like, Ah, oh, cool, you know, check it out. And then he started, you know, doing his facial expressions and stuff like that. You know, just to just to kind of show just to I guess try to be funny or whatever. But uh, it's like wow that was, it, he was so expressive just in those, uh, you know, in the way he moved his, his like you said, his, his eyebrows and his brow, his, like, his forehead, you know, he'd furrow his, his brow and and whatever. Um, but also, um, he had the best voice for this, you know. And obviously, we all know the iconic boy. If nothing else, th- just those two facts by themselves are he he does an excellent job. And that's not it. We're not even talking about how, you know, he's this really he's tall, skinny. They actually put him in a suit that's too small to make him look even bigger. And, um you know, he has kind of strange mannerisms and things like that. And, it, and it's all very unique. And so and like I said, I mean, this is this is like a, unlike a villain that we that we'd seen or really have ever seen, even even though Kane kind of looked the same, he still wasn't the same.
1: No, you know, not, I, he not wasn't even all. close. Uh, king seemed more soft spoken. Well, and... he
0: seemed a little crazier, like a little bit more out there. You know, where, you know, more obviously he was a you know, the leader of some kind of a religious cult, where this guy's more menacing and, and seemingly more malicious.
1: I think with horror villains it really works when your your lead villain is a classically trained stage actor and and Angus Scrim was, which was really cool because before this he'd only done a few films.
0: You know, the funny thing is, is I don't even think, uh, yeah, I was going to say, I don't think he's, he'd done anything really notable before this. Am I right? Um, he was
1: in the very first Don Coscarelli film.
0: Right. And, but Don Coscarelli came,
1: what came out with two films before this one.
0: Yeah. And well, he was
1: like 18 when he made them.
0: Yeah. And I, you know, and I, I do so I didn't even realize, uh, I didn't, uh, notice really any of them. I mean, they—they. They, I hadn't heard of either of them. This was obviously his big splash, Casarelli's uh, big splash into it. But, um, but anyway, I mean, I—I don't, I don't know. Um, Also, uh, as far as the 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 tall man is concerned, he's—I I mean, he's like the main villain. And as if he's—if he's not enough, I think that that they do. And this is again throughout the throughout the uh, the series, is they come up with very unique. Well, I guess unique if, if Jawas are unique, you know, kind of <laughs> kind of villains, you know, they're like they're, there's like different classes of bad guys throughout the series. You know, we'll talk more about those because I mean they they kind of uh, we kind of get a glimpse of more of them down the road. But oh yeah, I mean,
1: definitely. Once you get to two and three, uh, it really ups the uh, the stakes as far as bad guys go.
0: Right. You know, another thing about uh, about it, the series as a whole. And uh, I'm blowing my wad here on the series as a whole type deals. So, oh man, so we you shouldn't do that while we're recording. <sighs> I know, sick. Reggie, not your traditional leading man. You know, I mean, here is a here's a bald, you know, ex hippie with a guitar in a freaking ice cream truck. You know, isn't? I mean, he, I'm not. He's not like you know, ugly or anything. But he, you know, he's not like the traditional tough guy leading dude. And it's and it's uh, you know, he, as far as his looks are concerned, but. Well, I, he I played, like that they, did, they
1: but, did that. I like they did that. That was really cool.
0: I I do too, especially because it, it, because it becomes so funny in later on uh, movies where he is like the ladies' man. You know, he comes <laughs> up with all sorts of smarmy pickup lines and and whatnot. And uh, so I, you know, one of the one of the things I learned is that uh, chicks dig a skullet wearing guitar playing ice cream man
1: <laughs> in this movie. Yeah, well,
0: not not really in this movie, oh. but well, did, I ones. mean,
1: you didn't think he he didn't really seem like the leading man of this one, though, did he? I mean, no,
0: and, and I do have a note. There there was kind of a, a more of an equality between him, Jody, and Mike. You it, know, was, it, it, it was it's kind it, of a trio.
1: It was very Evil Dead that way because in Evil Dead, you really didn't expect Ash to be the person to become the hero, and and this one, I think it's, it's the same with Reggie because. I, when you first see Phantasm, you don't expect that guy to be in every movie, right? And and he does. He pretty much carries every movie,
0: and he comes up with some great lines later. And in he I, his uh, character gets fleshed out more and more, and he, he just I think he becomes more likable as the series goes along. Oh, he really does. You know, it's funny because um, I mean, like I was saying, that how, how this is a pretty you know unique movie and a, you know pretty ambitious. Um, it's kind of funny that they, they did steal a few things from other movies. Well, and I don't know if they stole them or and maybe there's a timing issue. But, I mean, we do have the Jawas. We do have, uh, do you, in, in the first one, we have, uh, you know, the, the part where Mike goes into that mute psychics place. And uh, she speaks to her granddaughter. Do you remember that? Yeah. What was that from? Well, listen. So basically, they pull out this box. Actually, they don't even pull it out; it just appears. And Mike is asked to put her his hand in it, right? And I, now, remind me exactly what happens, because I'm I'm drawing a blank on exactly what happens.
1: She, she tells him to put the hand in the box, and he starts panicking, saying it hurts. And they said, "They said, calm down, Michael. Calm down." They keep telling him to calm down, and finally, he calms down. And he pulls his hand out, and. He says that really hurt, and they said, "Well, that was all in your head." Right, and they and they they, the girl even said something like, "You know, not everything
0: is is as it seems." And fears the killer, you know. So don't be afraid, you know. And uh, have you ever? I mean, and I've never read the books, but have you ever seen Dune that came out in ninety? Or I'm sorry, I think it was. Uh, oh, I don't remember what year it was actually. Maybe eighty four or
1: something. No, I've I've heard of it. I've never seen it. But there is a scene
0: where. um I can't remember his name. I I remember he ends up being a guy named Maudib puts his hand in the box in this box and it's, you know, in in, in he uh, in his mind, he starts, you know, picturing his flesh coming off and there's it's so much pain and they're like, fear is the mind killer and blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, that was pretty spun on. I mean, I don't like I said, I don't know if the movie came out until after this, but I wonder if he got the idea from uh, from the book. It's very possible. I I just thought it was funny cuz I mean they said fear is the killer which is so which is so similar to fear is the mind killer which was said in Dune. Anyway, I can I can see
1: that. Were there any other parallels you could draw?
0: Um well, not till number 4 where um Mike finds out he has the force.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was yeah. That was definitely that was out there. Right. But I mean, listen, if you're going to
0: if you're going to make a movie for a first time director and, and you nick a couple of ideas from, uh, you know, pretty solid works, other works, uh, you know, whatever, even though, like you said, I don't know if they nicked the Jawa, but um, you know, still a well, good idea. I,
1: and I thought out of all of the movies in the series, I thought part one, Shelley, Shelley and I talked about how part one was definitely more sci fi than the rest of them.
0: Well, it, I think also because because Mike does mention that he's from another planet and that you know they 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 kind of talk in those types of terms whereas they kind of lose that kind of those kind of words later on, you know, and they start talking
1: about dimensions well, the, the, and, and things like that. The yellow blood though and the stuff like that kind of kind of pulls you that direction too.
0: Right. Well, and I mean, I always thought though that that was just because of the embalming fluid, but Oh, did you really? Yeah, but, I mean, is that – I I don't know. That's, that was my I, that, You assumption. know what?
1: I, I like thinking that better. That's actually – that's cool. I had yeah. never thought about that. Instead because of, later I, when they do show him embalming or whatever he's doing, it is yellow. So yep. that does make sense that that's what that would be.
0: Yeah, of course it's a bummer that hydrochloric acid ended up in there. And when I say bummer, I mean kick ass. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk yeah. about that in a minute. Anyway, uh well that's all the notes I have. I mean, this movie was freaking awesome. Like I said, I don't remember loving this movie um, until I until I watched it this time and I'm I didn't know what was wrong with me before. I must have missed something because coming back to this was was uh I really really enjoyed uh you know, especially the the original. Um you could tell that there was some budget limitations. It was fairly obvious. Um be, uh but I mean, you know, I mean we could point it out and it, I it, we, if you watch the movie, it's fairly obvious. I mean, like you have that him lifting up that balsa wood coffin, you know. And some yeah. of the some of the quote unquote marble walls were not. what You could tell were just uh, walls with something on top of them to, to, to try to look marble. But you know, I mean, you can't. It, obviously, being horror fans, especially low budget horror fans, I think that we've come uh, to a point where we can overlook that kind of thing and and uh, not have a takeaway from the story, which I thought was great.
1: Oh, absolutely! Did you uh, did you learn anything from
0: this? Oh my gosh, I learned. Let's see, I learned. Uh, I I told you one of them that chicks dig skull at wearing, guitar playing, ice cream men. Except for that, was not for this one. Um, <laughs> no, actually, it was also. Uh, I I also actually already mentioned them both. as the stealing ideas from sci fi movies equals success. Uh, what about you? Oh, that's. Oh, I thought you had more. Nope. No, I, I I blew my I blew my load before I
1: would I quit saying that? Yes. Oh my god. Uh, this episode's I, gonna be like N C seventeen.
0: Well we're talking balls and and uh yellow uh yellow uh you know, kind of milky substances and but I don't know why about it's yellow the master, Oh that's right in his weasels.
1: Yeah, his loincloth with his weasel hanging out. <laughs> Um, I learned that, one thing, I learned that pallbearers are just freaking lazy, man. They're doing, they take six guys to do what one can do.
0: We just hire. and plus he's like 80, man. What's that exactly. what's
1: this guy's pro My grandpa's loading a coffin in there, and they have six guys doing it.
0: Oh, uh, that's freaking awesome.
1: He's like, it's 500 pounds. No, you're just a slacker. <laughs> <laughs> it's not 500 pounds. You're lazy as hell.
0: No, that's great, man. Um, uh, did you get any? Who else said that? I did. I got. To, you sure it wasn't that retarded kid Timmy up the street? <laughs> <laughs> this is so dumb. Uh, that was just Cartman to Kyle. It's some random thing. But, <laughs> Dude, but I, I only said that so I could
1: say Timmy. I actually thought about that from the La 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 Timmy. I th- the When he said that, I was like, oh, my God. I wonder if South Park did, got that from this. <laughs> I don't know. A retarded kid named Timmy. <laughs> uh,
0: and I got another one that says, uh, you play a good game, boy, but now the game is finished. Now you die. This ha- you have to have a little bit of backstory for this. I have two little brothers. One of them is five years younger than me and one of them is seven years younger than me. For some reason, growing up, they could kick my ass at Mortal Kombat. <laughs> and... We used to play it all the time. And so it's like whenever they would beat me, it got to the point I used to beat the shit out of them if they smiled or talked smack, you know, because I'm, you know, I was a lot older and bigger. But, uh, um, you know, so it got to the point where basically if they, if they like looked at me funny afterward, like they would, I, I could, if in, in, a, in, ironically, if I could tell that they were trying to keep a straight face unnaturally, I'd beat the shit out of them. So, they played a good game, now the game is finished, and now you die, because it kicked the shit out of them.
1: There you go. (laughs) That was me. That's awesome. I got a couple of them. You don't aim a gun at a man unless you intend to kill him, or shoot him, and you don't shoot a man unless you intend to kill him. That was Dick Cheney. (laughs) When he shot his friend in the face on a hunting trip.
0: Well, you know what? That just means he's a bad shot, because he intended to kill him and did not.
1: Exactly. And this next one? um it made me laugh so i hope it makes someone else laugh (laughs) the ice cream is going to be flying fast and furious that is the concession manager at a twilight premiere i don't get it um i'm not going to elaborate on that
0: (laughs) is it is it some disgusting
1: no 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 you just if you follow um there's you know how they have the fake gary Busey and the fake mel gibson on twitter well they have a fake robert pattinson and, and he's always talking about how only fat girls watch twilight.
0: Oh, that's rude.
1: <laughs> I saw Twilight. I'm a, I'm a my fat girl dude. Uh sometimes. No, <laughs> jeez. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um the mammary count on this was two. But two. They I'm were trying. they were all right. They were all right too. I mean, you don't yeah. see a face with them. It's, it could be, oh, yeah. you know, a dude with breast implants.
0: <laughs> which you know what I don't care about, which is fine with me as long as, as long as I don't see the rest of them in context, I guess.
1: Exactly, they were all right. Um, what would you give this movie, man? I'd give this one a bone
0: saw. I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. In me fact, too. Uh, in fact, I watched it two times, which I probably shouldn't have, because then I got behind on watching the rest of the movies. But uh, I watched it two times just so I could watch it with my wife again because it was awesome.
1: I-, I did too. I watched uh, one and two twice. Jeez, you are prepared. But I, I do give this a bone saw. Cool, man. I, I think this movie was, I don't want to say ahead of its time, but I think it definitely did a lot of cool things during its time. Well,
0: I was going to say, I think it was, I think it, you could consider it ahead of its time, especially in the horror genre.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean well, there wasn't a lot of, there wasn't a lot of horror that was, that was going in this direction.
0: No, right. I mean, and it's, and, and that's what I'm saying. I mean, a lot of it, you know, coming, coming from the 70s, you know, you, I mean, we it was a lot of, like, I don't know, and I hate to say, cause I'm sure that the, once I say this, that a bunch of people are like, no, there was this movie. But I can't, I I seem to remember just a bunch of, like, really non-supernatural type of horror movies. Am I wrong? Like, in the, you know, not, not necessarily not supernatural, but not really, like I said, as ambitious as this.
1: No, I mean, most movies were pretty cut and dry. You had um, a lot of, you know... You had you had supernatural movies. You had like demon possession and ghost stories, and then you also had slasher movies. But this movie kind of um, it kind of transcended genres. I think. Agreed. So uh, I think that's where this one stands alone.
0: Oh, it's cool. It was awesome.
1: Oh, absolutely, man! Sweet. You got anything else for this one?
0: Nope. You gave it a bone saw. Oh hell! Oh, did you get a did, kick did I in I the balls? That? Oh, oh wait, I did get. A, I get, got a couple of kick in the balls. Uh, I, I have to kick Don Casarelli in the balls. Why is that? Uh, For waiting an hour and twenty minutes for the first boy. (laughs) Sorry. You know, honestly,
1: this is the only movie I didn't get a kick in the balls. And I couldn't think of one. I really couldn't think of one.
0: Well, it it was hard, and I and I may be stretching. I also got a kick in the balls for the hot chick for putting such wicked purple eyeshadow on because it was really distracting when I was trying to, um, you know, uh, let's just say uh, treat myself. well, what?
1: What? What? yes. I would give a kick in the balls to the uh, the little dwarf guys just because it would be fun to kick them in the balls.
2: <laughs> no, no other reason
1: than that. This
0: is a kick in the balls, not because they suck, but because, uh, why not?
1: It's easy. easy <laughs> it's right there. It's crotch level, butt level.
0: Excellent. <laughs> awesome. Uh, let's take a quick break, play some uh, Phantasm music, and we'll be right back with part two. Sweet. Hello again. And goodbye. We're back let's talk a little bit about Phantasm 2 which didn't come out till nine years later in uh, 1988
4: Phantasm the delusion of a disordered mind a phantom a spirit a ghost for ten years the secret of Perigord Cemetery has remained a mystery now Three innocent people are about to discover the ultimate evil. You think that when you die, you go to heaven? (laughs) You come to us. We've got to warn people. This summer, the ball is back. Phantasm Two. It's only a dream. It's a dream. No, it's not.
3: Rated R. Phantasm Two. Score composed by Fred Miro and Christopher Stone. Now it's interesting. Christopher Stone is actually um, given credit. Uh, for working on all the phantasm films for working on the first one actually in sound what exactly he did um i don't know but somehow apparently he did work on the first one it would seem that uh you know he he works with um sound development in uh, the music department he does a lot of stuff like orchestration um conducting uh, things like that he's worked on quite a few things he actually Uh, did additional electric uh, sounds for From Beyond. He worked on Terror Vision. Uh, He was on the Robotech movie. Uh, In fact, he uh, composed for Tellspin, the television animated show. He's really been around a lot, but he's kind of one of these guys that is either uncredited or he's kind of, you know, hidden back in there uh, with what he works on. Um, The first thing you're going to notice right when this movie starts is... Gone are the days of the small jazz ensemble sound that they had in the first movie. This one is so much more dense and thick and lush. It's uh, it's almost not even comparable to the first movie. The sound begins with these low strings. And what, what is so incredibly obvious throughout this score, um, you were getting a taste of it in the first movie. Uh, kind of with the funeral organ, but a lot more with those synth sounds that he was using off of his um, his uh, synthesizers. He was going for um, low, these low droning tones. I think what he was working with, though, in the first movie didn't quite get him those low frequencies that uh, he was going for. And in this one, he was really getting what he wants. And um, the sounds are so much more low and thick. There's uh, not just these droning notes anymore, there's chords now. There's a thickness to everything that he's composed. Uh, even the main theme now is so much more like fleshed out. It has so much more of a personality to it. Even though he's dealing with the same notes, the same uh, progression underneath, it, it's not so much just single notes descending in, in the A minor scale underneath. It's actually now it's it's full chord progressions. you know it's there's so much harmonic movement. Uh, it really just makes so much more sense now. So we begin uh, with the opening sequence, and in fact, uh, right when it says phantasm two, there's there's that noise. Uh, I don't even know how to describe it, but kind of that uh, big shooting flash of light noise that they have. Uh, which kind of at this time, uh, you know, this is like almost 10 years later from the first movie. But at this time, that was a noise that movies becoming a mainstay in horror movies and in fantasy and stuff like that. Um, it's kind of the same noise you hear in a lot of movies. But it really, I think, um, references like the, uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street. In this one, um, things take this huge drastic turn, uh, even right after uh, the... the the lush chords that he's using over the title sequence. When, uh, Reggie is in the kitchen and you get the first little, do they call them lurkers. What the hell do they come? The little the Jawa. Um, when that, he sees that little bastard in the kitchen. All of a sudden you get prepared piano. Um, if you don't know what prepared piano is, it basically means a piano that you play or it's prepared in some way to get a sound other than a piano. Uh, for instance, sometimes they'll take the top off and you can actually hit the strings of the piano, um, with mallets, uh, or, uh, drumsticks or something like that. Uh, you could also do something to the actual mallets in the uh, piano, which is what I think they had done here is you can take the little uh, felt pads off of them. So they strike it harder. You can change whatever's on there. You can actually, uh, put things on the strings in the piano. So they vibrate different or get a, a different, uh, tone, um, Right when uh, Reggie sees that, all of a sudden you start getting this more action-oriented. It's very uh, Alan Silvestri kind of uh, uh, sound. Um, where it's, it's much more, it's, it's low, it's driving, it's intense. There's, uh, there's so much more to it in this, in this movie. This score is excellent. Um, but you start noticing things like that. And he brings in a new theme that uh, most people, I don't think, notice. Um, that there's actually a secondary theme in this movie. There's the the phantasm theme, you know, from the first one, but there's a secondary theme that I like to call the stocking theme, and uh, you'll kind of hear it when Reggie goes upstairs, um, you know, and gets the baseball bat and all that. You hear the the prepared piano stuff, and it's kind of in there. You have to kind of pick it out because it's a little bit slower. He leaves a little bit of space between each one, um, but he'll use the piano at first where it's done, 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 da 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 done, done. It's actually very Alan Silvestri, um, a lot more like something you might hear in Predator. But um, throughout the movie, he uses this stalking theme as kind of an action cue, as kind of something to represent, you know, this um, this terror, this foreboding terror, that's, you know, what's, what's happening. And um, he transfers it over to the strings, but he always keeps it really low, and he keeps the violins in there, and he really kind of pushes... Um, the extremes, uh, so much more in this one than he did in the first one. Yeah, that stocking theme is is excellent. And this one also, you're, there's just so much more development on the themes he created in the first one. There's more um, uh, variations of the main theme, but also the theme, uh, elements of the theme start appearing, where he's playing it different. Uh, instead of just the entire theme all the way through, he might play a bit of it here, you know, that might appear in the strings. Um, or you might even just get the low notes underneath and development on them without the actual theme appearing up top. I think just all the way around, the score is, uh, in my opinion, light years uh, beyond the first one. And even though I say it's light years beyond, I don't necessarily mean that it's it's so much better than the first one. Um, I listen to this one more. Uh, there's just light years beyond in that it's more developed. Um, there's a lot more going on. There's a lot more to, uh, to see in it, you know, and, but you can kind of, uh, that's the beauty I think of the first movie, uh, when you're watching it is so much is implied. Um, but the movie and the score of the first one, they did so much with so little, whereas with this one, There's so much more uh, right there, you know, in your face, uh, visually, as well as musically. uh, Sonically, there's so much more going on frequency-wise and just development and everything. Um, It's just such a huge jump from the first one as a movie and as a score, and the score is just absolutely phenomenal. You know, what exactly that's attributed to, I don't know. If it's just the fact that uh, Coscarelli wanted something bigger this time, or, you know, when uh, fred saw this movie this is what he interpreted it as um, musically however it works out i mean the score is absolutely amazing and it fits perfectly with the movie um all the way around this is, is just excellent
0: the imdb gave this a 6.2 uh the score the uh, let's see the, the 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 original score was done by fred miro and um Malcolm Seagrave. Well, Fred Miro did this one as well. However, uh, he worked with Christopher Stone. Uh, the budget on this was a little bit bigger. Uh, it was ten times bigger, uh, at uh, three million, and it, this uh, unfortunately this only grossed seven point two million. And I think one of the one of the strangest things about this movie was that Mike was played by a different actor named James LaGrosse. Um, now, you were talking about that it was the studio's involvement. Is that right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Don Costarelli and uh, Michael Baldwin actually wanted Michael Baldwin to be in this. And Don Costarelli, even after the studio told him no, he even brought him to an audition. Mm-hmm. And at that audition, they basically said, no, they're gonna, we're not doing this. They Why? He, hasn't, he hadn't acted since the first Phantasm. And here's what happened. Here's the honest story. Suppos- okay. Supposedly,
0: well, I'd hate for you to lie to us.
1: Exactly. Well, <laughs> what what I read, and this was from Costarelli himself. He said that the studio said they didn't want Reggie Banister, Reggie Banister, or um, Michael Baldwin in this what? because neither neither one of them had acted since Phantasm One. And it had been and, a while. Yeah, and Costarelli, after he really pulled for Michael Baldwin, and the studio said no. They said, "All right, we'll we'll we'll." Negotiate with you. We will let you have Reggie Baldwin, or I'm sorry, Reggie Baldwin, <laughs> Reggie Bannister, but but Michael Baldwin is a no. He, he's not in this. Wow. So so that was their compromise, so he could make this movie. I mean, they were the ones funding this, and it was and at that time it was a Universal. It was a big it was a big company. Douches. So they they had all the say in part two.
0: Honestly, I'll be I'll be uh, real with you here. If they had to make a choice, I'm glad they chose uh, Reggie.
1: Oh, I am too, and. <laughs> You know, honestly, I did not like James LaGrosse as Michael, but I would much rather have him as Michael than another Reggie.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. You know, and I and honestly, I didn't really dislike uh, James LaGrosse except oh, for I did. the. Well, I I don't know. He I, okay? Well, I didn't. I, he didn't really bother me except for the fact that he wasn't Mike Baldwin.
1: He had those he hot was, dog lips and freaking oh just.
0: Well, dude, we all can't look as good as Mike Baldwin. Okay, exactly. And that little Weasley hair. And that little pointy nose, you know, a little bitch of a face. Okay, sorry.
1: Well, to me, you know what, the one difference between the two of them that really stood out for me, and maybe it's just me nitpicking, Uh but it seemed like Michael Baldwin in all three movies that he's in had like a, he had a genuine, sincere worry about him that didn't seem like he was acting. It seemed very natural, and James LaGrosse in this one, it seemed very stiff and very just forced. It didn't... it didn't seem the same. I mean, I know he's not going to be the same actor, but it just seemed very stiff and not felt.
0: Well, and the thing is, is I mean, there's got to be something to be said for, you know, being around the original movie and understanding how Casarelli works. I mean, I, I assume that James O'Gross never worked with Casarelli before. Uh, no, I, this I could his, be wrong. This
1: was his first movie as, like, a, a, a main actor.
0: Well, it, it, well, and it's funny because James LaGrosse you'll see, show up from time to time. But I don't really know any main movies he's been in. I mean, I don't know. I haven't seen him. I'm not saying they're not there. But you know, I mean, there's got to be there, there's something to be said for you know, understanding how Casarelli works, and there, and and um, there's something to be said for you know having worked with Reggie, you know, and uh, some of the other folks there. But you know, I mean, I think James kind of seemed a little bit. Uh, removed a little bit for me. Meaning,
1: that's what I mean. That's that's yeah, what I mean. It, it didn't but, feel like he belonged. And
0: and I agree with that because well, and it, especially when they were showing flashbacks of Michael Baldwin, you know, as a kid, and he's the grown-up Michael. They you know they don't really look that similar. And you know. the
1: time the the time period this takes place in. Uh-huh. It's supposedly only a few years later. It's not supposed to be nine years later.
0: Well, well, the, yeah. The movie starts uh, right after it, but it just shows up some, uh, you know, some whatever, and then it's only like six years or something.
1: Yeah. So I mean, he's supposed to be a, still a teenager.
0: Right. He was like thirty-five or something.
1: <laughs> yeah. This this know. guy, he was uh applying for his AARP card.
0: Yeah, well, maybe he was, like, in his 20s, but still. No. It was, uh I don't know. Um, but anyways, uh, Reggie Bannister was in it again. Angus Scrim again. Uh, we are treated to Samantha Phillips uh, playing Alchemy. Now, I've got a big gripe about her, but we'll get to that. Oh, I you have. Know...
1: <laughs> I don't know what your gripe is, but she was freaking weird.
0: <laughs> well, okay. And then we also have Paula Irvine as Liz. You know what? The two main girls in this have boys names with an A at the end. Paula exactly. and Samantha. Weird. Yeah. Anyway, uh well, uh it, the movie goes. It starts like I said, it starts with the kind of a catch up scene. Kind of a uh, you know kind of the Friday the thirteenth type of deal. Which I think is funny because uh you know, I, I think it, they just wanted some padding for the running time. I don't know. But uh like I said it uh you know starts up right after the first one ended. Uh and uh the I can't remember exactly how this happens, but Reggie blew up his house to kill the Jawa minions. I think that's out of place.
1: Uh no, no. What happened was um it starts off at the end of the of the first movie. Uh-huh. And Reggie runs upstairs to save Michael. Oh that's right. And, and as he's he turns on the gas after he has a struggle with those little minion guys. That's right. And after he goes upstairs, and pulls Michael out and they jump out the window. The house explodes because of the gas and the flame up in front of the fireplace.
0: <laughs> By the way, thank goodness I have an electric stove. But no, you're right. That's right. Because it, it starts off right after. And, you know, where, where Mike just got pulled through the mirror and whatever. And, uh, you know, and so his house blows up. Which was which leads to a question that I have. And, I, you know, I, I'm not going to be ashamed for asking dumb questions. Hopefully you can answer them. Um, anyways, uh, so six years have passed. We're introduced to a girl who's having psychic visions about Mike, Reggie, and the tall man. Her name is Liz. Um, she's pretty scared because her grandfather is dying, and she doesn't want the tall man to get him. Uh, I, I guess is, is what's going on. But she has like some kind of a psychic link with Mike, and you know, and Mike knows who she is, and and uh, you know, she's been drawing pictures of Mike in, in kind of like a journal, or whatever. And Mike has been in a mental institution. You know, since uh, I assume since sometime uh, closely after the house blew up or whatever, Um, he's in there, he's in the institution. He starts to uh, hear Liz's pleas and decides that I guess I guess he decides it's time to just to go out and, you know, and and pick this up again, you know, and start kicking ass for lack of a better explanation. So he goes (laughs) in, he tells the doc. You know, hey, listen, I'm uh, all that shit happened. That didn't really happen. I made that all up and whatever. And it you know, just basically tells the doctor what he wants to hear, and then uh, um, and they they eventually let him out. They let him out. Um, anyway, so he decides to go to Morningside Cemetery and to uh, check to see if there are actual bodies in the coffins that are buried there. Um, when Reggie shows up, and for some reason, even Reggie is kind of doubting that the first movie even happened.
1: Did I miss something? No, he, he did say that. No, that was all in your head, man. And, and to me, it didn't seem like he was doubting it, Like he was he wasn't really trying to just, you know, dismiss what happened. I think he was trying to block it out in his own head. And
0: it could be. And uh, it, but w- which is kind of confusing, too, because at the very end, he said that, oh, my or not, Mike. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Jody died in a car wreck instead of how we saw Jody die. Wasn't it from uh, the Lavender Lady? No, we didn't see Jody die. We didn't. But the last I knew, he went he went away with the Lavender Lady, but we, yeah. I guess we didn't see it. Okay. Anyhow, so anyway, so it was kind of a little bit confusing to me. Um, but anyway, so is they're sitting there talking, and yeah, Reggie and Mike, they, you know, they take off because they see a Night Watchman's flashlight. And they're like, oh, I guess we better get out of here. They're driving back. Uh, to Reggie's house, Mike gets a vision that Reggie's house is going to blow up. And he's like, dude, you you know, your house is going to blow up, you know, don't go there, whatever As They, if they drive up to the house, it actually just blows up.
1: I have so two stupid. questions for you. Okay. Two questions. Okay. First question. Do you think that the tall man was blowing up his house because he blew up a lot of his minions in Mike's house?
0: You know, I did, I never thought, I never thought of a reason why I know that it killed his wife and his daughter, but I don't really know why he decided to blow up his house.
1: I think I thought maybe a little bit of payback. I don't know. Could it, be. It, I don't know if the tall man is like if you're a, the if you're the tall is he
0: vindictive. <laughs> yeah.
1: You See, don't need I'll an excuse if print. you're the
0: tall man. Come on. Uh,
1: and another que- It's not really a question. It's more of a statement. It's kind of a question. Um, Don casarelli Is it just me or does he like to blow shit up? He blows up houses. He blows up cars. Why
0: not? Why 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 leave that to like Michael Bay or or whoever else uh, you know loves to blow shit up? Dude, I'm not even joking.
1: Every movie after the first one the first one has explosions, but every movie after the first one has at least two or three explosions.
0: And they're awesome.
1: And they're big. Yeah, they're awesome, man.
0: <laughs> uh, well, anyway, so I guess that convinces Reggie that, uh, you know, they need to go after the tall man. Uh, one of the one of the best parts of the movie, they break in. Well, no, I guess not the best part, but it leads to one of the coolest things in the movie. Uh, they break into a hardware store to pick up some supplies and actually make their own weapons. Uh, they make a portable flamethrower, and then they make the iconic four-barreled shotgun, which kicks ass.
1: Yeah, I need one of those. Not yeah, for any have- purpose, just to have one.
0: Well, who do, who is who doesn't who couldn't find a use for a four barrel shotgun? <laughs> anyway, so they they start taking off uh, on their long trek against the tall man. They they basically it seems like they're going from town to town, going after him. But all they really do is uh, find uh, these abandoned towns where you know, unfortunately, all the graves are dug up. And and uh, in fact, I think it was uh, as they were driving, Mike falls asleep. I think is what happens. Correct me if I'm wrong, because. Um, because I can't remember if this was a dream or if this is just one of the towns they went into, but uh, they go into this place where uh, they're going through and they see a new dead girl with the smallest titties in the world.
1: Yeah, that could have been a dude.
0: Yeah, well, except for... No, it wasn't. uh, Obviously, it wasn't. But, I mean, was that a a dream? And it was, uh, you know, she was very familiar looking, and, and then he woke up, I think is what happened. And then... Uh, he finds out that as he was sleeping, Reggie picked up a, uh, a hitchhiker named uh, Alchemy, and it was and, and it looked a lot like the dead naked lady.
1: You know, that, I, I, I don't. I don't, I don't really know if that was a dream. It seemed like it, mm-hmm. especially after what happens later in the movie, how they pick her up and the other girl's still alive. Right. But it just was really weird because I don't think they presented it as a dream.
0: It was enough to kind of make you think twice about, you know, this girl anyway. Uh, the the story moves on. Liz, we're back to Liz. Liz's grand. Liz's grandfather actually dies. Uh, Liz and her sister, who by the way looked the actresses looked so similar, I forgot which one was which. Um, <laughs> and the grandmother. They all go to the funeral home. Um, and that night, when they're when they're home, the reanimated grandfather shows up in Grandma's bed, and I guess takes her back to the funeral home. Um, and psychically, the tall man tells her to come to the funeral home if you ever want to see your grandma. Uh anyway, Mike, uh Reggie and um uh Alchemy st- uh keep going to a certain town that Alchemy knows about and of course it's abandoned just like all the rest. Alchemy's uncle uh owned a bed and breakfast that they stay in, but that was just I mean that was it's it's like nobody had been there in years and years. And uh so basically, what they do is they leave Alchemy there. They, um, you know, they go out and to the cemetery to kind of go check out and see what's going on. And they actually run into uh, Mike and Reggie. Run into Liz. Uh, find out that her grandmother has turned into a what we call a lurker. Is that? I think that's the name for the, for the Jawas. I think that's what. Is that right? I I don't remember that name. Because uh, I think Mike said something like lurker that that he he refer to him as lurkers anyway um so they, they they get liz and they run away a bunch of crap happens they go back to the bed and breakfast and they set up some kick-ass booby traps um you know and of course reggie since it's past the number one the first one uh is is quite the ladies man he and alchemy start getting it on and i really liked it because she's like oh i love your bald head god reg i love your head mm. Anyways, come on. <laughs> Someone's can dream. Even though she had LBs, which stands for little boobies, <laughs> you know, that's still cool. But it, unfortunately, like right in the middle of it, uh, like they, they, they set up this one booby trap with a freaking grenade. So if someone opened a window, a grenade would go off.
1: <laughs> that's, that's good for <laughs> sleeping.
0: Oh dear. Well, okay. So the grenade goes off. They go down. They think it's only a dog, but uh, I guess they get distracted long enough. Somehow, the the tall man grabs Liz and takes off. Uh, they make chase, but the the old the the tall man runs runs them off the road, and their car explodes. Like you were saying. <laughs> Anyhow, I'll, I'll speed this up a bit. Back at the crematorium, Liz is about to be burned, but uh, you know, in the in the in the in the big fiery oven to cream eight people uh but she narrowly escapes and has to fight off the slowest mortician in the world and this this mortician was kind of like a ghoul you know and so this is kind of a new type of uh of monster uh, or, or and uh, you know of, of one of uh, the tall man's minions but anyway she kind of she kind of uh, fights him off mike and reggie show up there um they they're going around and they find this door that they can only open up with a the sphere. They split up, search for one. Reggie goes goes into the basement and is looking around. He finds a chainsaw. And then there's a, there's a guy called a graver, a bad guy called a graver, which is kind of an, a kind of the same type of deal. Starts, to, you know, I forgot to mention one of the best lines. I don't know. Maybe we'll talk about it later. But uh, he, he gets well, what, into a cha- What line. Well. I don't know if you remember, but uh, back where they saw the, the, the naked alchemy, Reggie was there, too. And uh, they I, I can't remember. Oh, wait. Maybe it was a scene. Let me know what scene it was. Uh, basically, where he looks at him with a chainsaw and says, wh- what does he say? He goes, uh, come on, you mother. Do you remember him saying that? I, that was later <laughs> in the movie, I thought. Well, I th- I think it- I thought it was I, th- I think it- maybe it was maybe it was against this graver that I'm talking about right there. Uh, anyway, so they fight. Um, anyways, a bunch of crap goes on. They end up getting a sphere opening. <laughs> I I I don't know. It's it's just a lot of stuff that I I feel like I'm going on and on here. But uh, they they end up getting the sphere opening up the door and they see the dimensional gate. And, uh, this is when they look in, they see the, where the, all the Jawas are taking the miniaturized bodies in those barrels on some kind of long trek. So basically the tall man shows up, you know, they, they start fighting back and forth, but little does he know that Reggie put some hydrochloric acid in the embalming fluid. Uh, they ended up, sh- uh, stabbing the tall man with the embalming fluid and letting it go. And that was a kick-ass scene because he basically disintegrates, um, and uh let's see that's all that's all the notes on the story I had
1: uh how does that end? That ends where um base what's his name um Mike and Liz are in the back of the hearse, and Reggie and Alchemy are in the front, and she's that's driving right. and she she's sitting there talking to Reggie and she starts messing with her hair and she pulls down a big chunk of like hair and flesh right and starts attacking Reggie and um In the last scene, you see Reggie outside the car, covered in blood, and he's like... It looks like he's dying... And I think that's pretty much the end, isn't it? I mean, well, that
0: was, and, and the thing is, is that's when they thought they had, all, they you know, they escaped the tall man, they, they, they got Liz back, and they were going to escape. We thought everything was good, and that's when Alchemy pulls her hair off, and, and of course, uh, it's everything is not good, and we're left to wonder if Alchemy had, you know, was uh, a monster this, this whole time, and who cares, because um, she got nude. Yeah. Um, let me ask you something. They blew up the car in the first one. Is that right? Because yeah, the the Tall Man, I think I can't remember if it was the first one or, or early in, in this one where they were they the, you know, the what was it? The Hemikuda or whatever it was. The the Hemikuda, yeah. And they totally that totally exploded, but they had it for this this uh part 2. Is that yep. just a, is that just a mix up? No, did... every
1: every single movie that car gets destroyed, I think. <laughs> okay. I'm pretty sure. I mean, and that could be part of the phantasm factor, where it's not really getting destroyed. But it could
0: be, and and there definitely is it because there is a dreamlike quality in a lot of these scenes and a lot of things that uh, you know maybe we. And and that's why I'm not exactly sure about some of the stuff because you know they show a lot of these things where it's like, oh, was that real? Was that not real? I'm not sure. And I guess I just it wasn't. I, I guess I just didn't make it a point to to determine which one was which but I just thought that was cool. Well,
1: I think this, if you I think if you use the uh, logic of the first movie that Jody died in a car crash then yeah the the <laughs> did get destroyed well in, in, I, yeah. in this movie it does too definitely.
0: Well, that's pretty funny. Um the movie obviously had a bigger budget uh you know still relatively small but I mean you had Jawas had their own faces the, their own little troll faces um, it seemed like there were a little bit put more put into uh, you know some of the gore and special effects.
1: Um, did you see? Did you see that this was the highest budgeted film in the Phantasm series? I, d- but, I did see that. But it is the lowest budgeted film that Universal Studios made in the '80s.
0: Oh, are you serious?
1: Yep, the lowest that like no other movie had. No other movie had this small of a budget.
0: Well, and the thing is is this made seven point two million on a three million dollar budget so I mean it's not like you could really you could really say that this wasn't a success however, you know I mean it's nothing like the first one you know as far as uh, well first of all the first one made a lot more money but you know given the budget of the first one you know versus the you know whatever so i mean i I, I wonder if maybe they were they were disappointed in the box office and so that's why uh Coscarelli got uh Michael the real Mike back in number three.
1: Oh I'm because sure I'm sure after so. that he got complete creative control.
0: Yeah. Because, that's what it seems uh, like. Well plus that was years and years later too. Well well what year was this again? This was nineteen eighty eight the next one did out until ninety four.
1: Yeah, so I mean there was a good six years. Yeah. Um, one
0: thing that was pretty funny is the mortician who, was, who cremated somebody was mashing up the teeth. I don't know if you noticed this, but uh, he poured all the teeth and the, and the ashes into a bag that said uh,
1: Sam Raimi. Yeah, or that, that was, was awesome. Also, did you notice there was a headstone at the cemetery that said Alex Murphy? Oh, uh, no, I didn't. Who's Alex Murphy? Uh, RoboCop. Oh, really? Yeah, RoboCop, dude. I was. <laughs> it was like the year, same year or the year before.
0: Yeah, funny, man.
1: Yeah, and that that had to be intentional. Yep. Oh, yeah. I would assume. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, what you got for me?
0: Did um, you learn anything?
1: I, I did. I learned that it's all right to bail on a funeral, even if you're one of the only three people there. <laughs> that girl, her sister was a bitch, dude. Bitch. Yeah. She's, she's like, uh, Grandma's a tough cookie. She can stay for this. Don't worry about it. Right. Um, and then uh, I also learned that Always double check the room before you stab a corpse. Just do it because if the spouse of the corpse is standing behind you, it's not gonna not gonna be a good experience for her,
0: right? Because yes, yeah, she'll freak out.
1: And uh, the next two things I learned they go hand in hand. Uh, the okay. first thing is never keep shovels at groin level.
0: Okay, that, I think that's uh, I think that's. Uh... Uh, common sense, but we'll go. With okay. It. <laughs> and the next one is uh,
1: my last thing I learned is never keep a chainsaw at groin level, <laughs> ever.
0: <laughs> Why would you th- do that? I think keep hard objects and weapons away from groin is a
1: kind of a rule to live by. Unless you're a midget, then you're right there. The dwarf, I mean. <laughs>
0: well, plus it's so fun to like, just like you were saying in the first one, kick kick balls to the dwarfs. Oh it yeah. Would be, it would be so fun to chainsaw a dwarf's balls off. That would just be fun.
1: Oh, you'd have to like Nothing. lay on your stomach to do it, though. <laughs> oh man,
0: that's awesome! I have one uh, one thing that I learned, uh, besides always buy electric stoves. Um, <laughs> regardless of what anybody says, it turns out that it ends up being actually all about the size of your chainsaw. Okay. Oh, No always. matter what anybody says. Yeah, come on, you mother. Anyway, <laughs> uh, who oh, else man. said that was Dude, a good? You know, that was a good fight, man. I like that. Uh, that was that was a pretty good fight. Yeah, I would want the large chainsaw, of course. Uh, you know what's funny is uh, I'm gonna play a little game with this. With this, who else said that? Because I just noticed that I wrote down three uh, three lines, and uh, let's do this. Uh, I I forgot to put I put down the lines, but I forgot to put who else said something. <laughs> so so someone who calls in and can give us uh, a who else said that for each of these lines, I'll send them a couple DVDs. How's that? Oh, that rocks, man. Uh, sweet, dude. Um, the first one, and I I can't believe I didn't put something out for this, because this one, this one is, is, screams vagina. Uh, <laughs> let's get the tools and scope it out. Oh. Okay. Uh, the second one was, come on, you mother! Which is, <laughs> by the way, my favorite line of the whole movie. That was Dolomite. No. <laughs> Uh, the third one was: uh, You think that when you die, you go to heaven? You come to us. Oh, I this... uh, that was a. I I think I could have really not went out. Anyways, get one one for each. Uh, who else said that for that? And we'll send out some DVDs,
1: dude. I am looking really. I'm really looking forward to hearing what people say. Yeah, me too. Because <laughs> that could be very, very interesting.
0: Uh, please try to incorporate a vagina in at least one of them.
1: Exactly. I'm At just least... kidding.
0: You know what? You have you have free creative control. Whoever does it, I just like vaginas. As long, like vagina as, long jokes. as there's a
1: vagina in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got two. Who else said that? Okay. Be well, Michael, and remember, it was all in your imagination. That was Michael Knight's therapist after telling him his car could talk. <laughs> and uh, the last one is: when you die, you think you go to heaven. You come to us. That's BH oh. one.
0: That sucks. Why? Because I love all those bands, okay? Behind the music, Def Leppard. I'm talking on. about the reality shows. Oh, I don't know anything about the reality shows. I thought you were bagging on bands that were dead.
1: No, they don't have music on there anymore. It's like MTV. There's no music VH1? on there. Yeah, there's no music yeah. on those stations.
0: I don't watch it anyways. Uh, I got <laughs> I got one kick in the balls. Now, Who's that? I'm probably going to... I'm probably. This is another one for uh, Don Coscarelli. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh. And, okay, I don't want any hate mail for this, okay? Because <laughs> I get a lot of hate mail for sexist or, you know, other offensive things that I say. <laughs> but uh, and I don't want to sound sexist or a pig, so, or like I'm a pig. Just just basically, I'm not trying to say this in a mean way, okay? But, Don, could we please get a girl with bigger boobies for
1: Alchemy's role? I would like to second that. With oh. the memory count in this movie was 17, but you all have of to which like, were di- alchemy, and they to, like, were not quality. You have to divide that by 37, because they were, I mean, they were so little... Exactly. There were 17, and not one of them was at all appealing. <laughs> well, I, know, um, okay.
0: I didn't think... She was a pretty girl, I guess, but... Yeah, man, she was well, pretty, those, but I have bigger tiny. boobs than her, and... <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe, Don, maybe you should put, uh, just like you did in the first one, had stunt boobs. Maybe you should put Johnny's boobs in there, stunt boobs.
1: We can do it. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. I get yeah,
0: kick like, in the balls. But the thing is, is, I don't know how anybody would ever take that as me sounding sexist or, you know, being a male chauvinist or anything like that. So I guess that wasn't as bad as I thought.
1: No, I mean, it's fine. Not come on. <laughs> <laughs> I give the kick in the balls to Father Myers <laughs> because after he knows everything that's going on in his funeral home. Yep, he gets all these weird noises at his door while he's, he's sitting there drinking shot after shot and he still has the freaking I don't know, he has the balls to say something like oh it's just the wind <laughs> and he goes out there and he actually looks through the, uh, the little peephole thing and right. the grandfather's standing there with his mouth stitched up and uh, you, you knew that was not the damn wind
0: and then he shuts it like it's going to do something
1: he's like oh phooey
0: Oh, that's awesome, man. No, this is a good one. Where you get this? I don't, yeah, I don't think this was as good as the first one. Oh, Uh, not at all. And, but I, I don't know. The thing is, is I really enjoyed it. It's, it's really hard for me to, to, uh, I don't know, to really bag on it too much because, I mean, it all comes back to the story. It is what it is type of deal, you know, and, you know, or I'm sorry for what it, for what it is because sorry, yeah yeah, whatever I you know this I mean this was a fun movie to watch it i I love the fact that uh, they decided that Don decided that we're on first name basis by the way, that Don decided to uh uh really start making Reggie become the ladies man you know, in, in in kind of with his just man, he just it just seems awkward. And he comes up with one of the greatest come on lines uh later er, in fact in number three. Oh which I'll mention <laughs> but uh, I don't know it, I don't know if I don't know which one it is, but I'll wait. Well, I'll yeah I'll mention it. Um but so but you know what? So I give this a buy. I don't think it's a bone so I think that uh when you compare this to the first one it's not as good, but it's really it's still
1: really pretty cool. Um, I give this a buy also, and I honestly, this movie really could have benefited from Michael um, Baldwin being in this.
0: Well, if for no other reason than consistency,
1: consistency, but I don't think it would have benefited enough for it to get a bone saw.
0: No, I agree. Um, you know what is weird? Maybe, maybe the consistency issue is because ha- has something to do with the fact that that Mike, the original Mike, came back for the other two. Uh, but so it, it's kind of like this sore thumb, or you know, the, it just sticks out. Well, you know, he he's hates not this in movie. this one. Who does?
1: Michael Baldwin, like he.
0: So oh, 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 okay. So for some reason, I thought you meant that he hates the phantasm.
1: No, 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 no. Oh, of I course ha- he hates
0: it. He wasn't in it.
1: Well, I, I haven't listened to the commentary on part three yet, but supposedly he talks a lot of shit on this in that commentary.
0: Oh, really? I got to check that out then.
1: Yeah. I, I read that on IMDb that he just uh, several times, he calls it the film that shall not be named and he says that the worst film in the series and just all sorts of shit. And, and but you know what though I, I think is hundred percent correct I, I think it is the worst film in the series, but I think it's still good
0: no i I don't know we'll we'll talk about number three but but anyway, is that all you got for it?
1: Yeah, there's nothing else
0: all right, so uh, we'll be right back talk about number three. We're busting Word. right through it. <laughs>
5: cold
2: night yeah they say the best way to keep warm is to pack two bodies to a bag dream on ranch
1: and we are back with Phantasm Three: Lord of the Dead. <laughs> this
0: movie out. You know out what? I actually, real quick, sorry to interrupt you already, but uh, I actually was really disappointed when I threw this on and uh, there wasn't an Irish guy dancing only with the lower half of his
1: body. <laughs> you know what's funny? is, <laughs> I actually thought the same thing, Lord of the Dance. I was cracking up, man. <laughs> and, and it's funny because this movie at no point really. I mean, it doesn't earn that title, Lord of the Dead. I mean, it follows the same format as the rest of them. <laughs> but but uh, yeah. <laughs> this movie came out in 1994.
4: Phantasm The delusion of a disordered mind. A phantom. A spirit. A ghost. young man has been pursued by a sinister force dead. Phantasm
3: 3, coming soon. Phantasm 3, Lord of the Dead. Score composed by our good man Fred Miro and Christopher Stone. Same setup as the second one. The first thing about this score that stands out to me is the fact that the stalking theme from the second one is gone. The prepared piano is still there, um, not utilized as much as it was in the second movie, Um, which is unfortunate because I really liked that a lot, but um, this goes even more in a different direction. Um, What you notice about this score from the uh, onset is it's much more organic. There is a heavier um, reliance on this low choir. Um, It's a sampled choir, of course, but there's this low choir kind of sound, and um, mixed with the low string There's a lot more of uh, of violins arpeggiating around um, in this one. His approach to uh, the action in this movie is much different than the last one. Uh, The prepared piano, the stocking theme, stuff like that, had more of a militaristic sound to it. It was, like I said, really Alan Silvestri. Whereas this one um, is not so much that. This has more of this gothic kind of element in um, the score in this one everything's really big and vast and so to do the action uh, and to do the the intensity in this movie instead of relying on that uh, pounding rhythmic nature that the prepared piano had and that uh, you know that he had in the, in the second one this one he's relying on these these big swelling vast chords um, and he actually uh, uses more harp in in this score and usually, uh, the way he uses it in this, and it's kind of this, this uh, gothic feeling that it has, comes from the fact that you'll have the orchestra and the choir building the motive, building the theme in these big chords. And then he adds the harp in there a little bit. And the harp, uh, with a lot of reverb, actually gives it this uh, really vast cathedral-like uh, feeling. Um, it's it's a, you know a commonly used technique with harp to kind of get that big vastness um and he uses it really really well but you'll notice throughout this movie he's still using the same themes but he's pushing them further and in a more organic nature where um it's not so intense it's not so in your face like it was in the second one this one it kind of wanders more it moves more it's almost like right when you're grasping the theme he'll kind of change it and move in a different direction uh, there's still this huge reliance on those low um huge swelling chords not as much of the drone as he's used in the past though um the theme still exists as it did in the others and uh he still actually opens up the the film with the uh, uh, the title sequence using the same uh, sounds that he did in the second one. What you're seeing in this score is the fact that he starts to add more, um, uh, kind of sampled elements, uh, just kind of odd noises that you weren't seeing in the ones before. And that's part of, I think also that organic process, uh, that the score goes through that there's, there's just kind of noises that are non-musical that come in and out of the mix. And, um, I th- partly I think that has to do with the fact that you know sampling had come so you know much further and synthesizers had gone come so much further from that but at the same time uh, this is 94 so music had really really changed for uh, film scoring uh, not only with the ability, but also kind of the expectation. Because now we're starting to get, you know, we're moving from just stereo to where there's surround, there's subwoofers, there's this um, more of a heavy expectation to come up with a good mix in a movie where you could really uh, play with the audience when you, they were in a theater, you know. Uh, I mean, nowadays, that's pushed to such a an extreme, it's sometimes ridiculous. But you're starting to see that more elements like that and these these sounds that he's putting in these just uh, noises that are coming in and out and they're doing so like maybe only in one channel at a time or um, there's a reliance sometimes on just frequencies where frequencies descend. I think this is just a very different, different score um, where you could compare the first and second one you know, and just say one's thicker than the other, or you know, they kind of utilize the same, uh, same things. The elements within this score are really vastly different. Um, you're seeing the uh, main theme just appear for moments uh, in the strings, and it's actually starting to modulate more where it's moving to different uh, key areas. And, but you'll notice a lot more of this kind of uh, slipping away of the theme uh, even the notes themselves um, that he's ending on don't just hold their their tone but they're actually starting to slip um, if this makes any damn sense at all but they're actually starting to fall away to slip away or slide up to notes A lot more of this kind of uh, it's it's kind of lyrical but at the same time it really is fitting. Uh, this movie that this idea of, of reality, this kind of slipping away, this kind of uh, you know things coming in and out in such a uh, not necessarily random but almost chaotic order. This one is just uh, it's thick, it's dense. Um, it almost has more of this chaotic nature to it, uh, even though it maintains uh, the core elements that the uh, phantasm scores have. and it's still going to rely on that main theme. And you're not noticing a whole lot uh, else other than that. Um, a lot of the other uh, development throughout this movie is really just based on those. And um, just chords. And not so much, you know, like the reoccurrence of uh, the stalking theme in the second one. Again, excellent, excellent score. And you're really starting to see even more this push in um, the way he's scoring these films. And the way these films are made. Uh, But you're also uh, seeing a reaction um, of the score to what else, you know, where music was at the time and what was going on. And it's a really good mix, I think. It works great. It doesn't sound too cheesy or over the top. Um, It doesn't sound too uh, gothic or macabre. It actually fits really nicely where it's at. And I think that's why it works so well. Uh this is by far out of um all four of them. This is the most overlooked score, and I don't know if that just has to do with the fact that it is kind of it has that chaotic element to it that people just don't grasp onto it or latch on to the themes used in it um and I could totally see why, but this one is definitely the most overlooked one um but it's excellent it fits in perfect with the series and my God, this movie has a you know. A, a Grace Jones wannabe with nunchucks. How, how do you go wrong with shit like that? You don't.
1: The IMDb for this is five point seven. I think it should have been a little higher than that. Um, but this movie stars Reg Bannister and Michael Baldwin, Bill Thornsbury, and you know who they play at this point. Uh, Gloria Henry plays Rocky. Kevin Connors plays Tim, and Angus Scrim, you know him. He's the tall uh, man.
0: Real quick, you missed one vital thing. Uh, the the Gloria Lynn Henry who played Rocky. Uh, actually, she was credited as uh, Grace Jones. What? <laughs> Not really. Doesn't she? <laughs> I was making a Grace Jones joke. You know who that is? No. Come on, like the manliest lady in. She was like in uh, uh, Conan. The <laughs> no, I have no like, idea. Real, are you serious? Yeah, I've never seen that. Oh, dude, you you know who Grace Jones is, though. Come on. Grace, I don't. Grace Jones. I- I should. <laughs> she looked. No, well, I don't know why you should, but she totally looked like Grace Jones. Anyways, sorry. <laughs> I blame. <laughs> I blame that joke falling flat on you.
1: Okay. Yeah. I. will take that. <laughs> <laughs> I should have seen Conan by now. This only like forty years old.
0: Yeah. What are you gonna do?
1: Uh, the plot summary for this: picking up right where number two left off. Reggie and Mike sus- succeed in escaping the tall man's hearse. Unfortunately. Liz isn't so lucky and is killed instantly, which <laughs> that to me is, that's that ultimate horror cheat right. where they either couldn't write that person in or they couldn't afford that person. So, <laughs> see yo. you? yeah, after an attack at the hospital, they make their way to a motel where they learn that um, Jody still exists in the form of one of the spears that the tall man carries around. Yes. Yeah. And he's kind of there to guide them. I mean, is that what you got from that? He kind of, he's kind of a guide.
0: He kind of seems like that. He he, he seems to know what's going on on the other side. And he, you know, and, and it's funny because he, he gives them advice, but he, I don't know if he ever like tells them exactly what to do. So it's like, he's some kind of a sage.
1: You know what it reminded me of? What? It reminded me of if there were such thing as a burglar alarm that only told you when a burglar was in your house. <laughs> Like, not trying to get into your house, but actually in it. Because every time he would show up, he would he would say something like, the tall man's right behind me. Well, shit, what good are you? <laughs> like, if you can't give me a little bit of warning, I mean. Right. <laughs> but, so at that point, Mike is abducted by the tall man, and Reggie begins his uh, pursuit of finding his friend Mike. Along the way, Reggie meets three criminals who attempt to murder him, and they stick him in the back of the Hemikuda, which is back.
0: <laughs> what the?
1: Until they meet Tim, a little boy who's as deadly as a cobra.
0: Dude, he's like Home Alone Part 5.
1: Dude, this dude it, has
0: it, the greatest booby traps.
1: I'm going to tell you right now, if Home Alone was as cool as this kid, <laughs> I would seriously I would own every single one of them. Um, with the help of Tim and Rocky, a militant black woman with nunchuck skills, Reggie is on his way to face the Tall Man and Free Mike. But there's a surprise in store for them all because the Tall Man has plans for Mike that... It kind of changes. It kind of changes the whole feeling of this movie toward the end, right? Because I, 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 hadn't seen this movie in forever, and I did not remember how this ended at all. With um, well, I, and we can probably get to it right now. But sure, my, Mike seems to be he has he has a spear in his head. <laughs> I mean, was is that what you would say? I mean, it, his oh no, eyes that's for exactly silver, what it is. Yeah, well, he has he, the the he has the embalming fluid coming out of his skull.
0: Well, you, know, you know what's funny is you think about that, and you think that he has that spear in his head, and this actually made one of the, I, I always bring up the things I learned early, and I don't wait for him. But basically, he literally thinks with his balls.
1: <laughs> nice. Sorry. It works. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, that's the basic plot of this movie. Uh, this movie, I, I didn't remember liking this one as much as I did like it. I don't know what it was, man. It, as as soon, this movie was really fun and kind of fast paced. It was it was the fastest paced movie in the series, in my opinion. Well, and there
0: was so many things going on because basically it's the same story as number two. You know, it's Reggie and Mike's journeys across the. Um, except for Mike gets
1: uh, Mike gets abducted. Yeah, immediately it seemed like yeah. I mean, it was. It was within the first ten minutes.
0: Yes, yeah, so basically Reggie's going around the, uh, you know going after Mike, you know, trying to track down the tall man and, and, uh, try to take him down while rescuing, uh, Mike. Um, this was but, Reggie's movie, man. Oh, it, and I was going to say, this is the one where, you know, you know, it, I mean, and this isn't quite as, uh, dramatic, but I mean, this is the one where Reggie was, it, Reggie probably was my favorite in this one. Cause he was, he seemed like he had all sorts of crap. I mean, Whereas there's one point where he's trying to get a girl into bed, and, and there's in in the you know they're going into the this uh, hotel, and the, he tells the he tells the, the little kid that we're talking about to stay in the car, you know, and, and the girl's like, well, why don't you come on in? Looking at the kid where Reggie's behind him saying, no, 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 you know, also you know, just basically being. Uh, this is a really kind of a departure into to more of a comedy, if you ask me.
1: Oh, it was hilarious, man! Because the kid was oh, sorry. <laughs> What the shit? Let me start that. Hold on. I'm leaving that in. No way, dude. I had a hiccup. I know.
0: Oh, duh. No. Thanks.
1: No. It was really awesome, though, because um, at this point, Reggie's sitting there telling the kid, you know, that, well, it, he's using all hand movements and facial expressions. Right. And, and the really kid's animated. actually, it seems like the kid's really understanding. And he's like, what, 10? Yeah. Something like that. At the most. He was young. He was a sharpshooter, though. Oh, that kid was awesome, man. <laughs> But overall, I mean, this movie centers around Reggie trying to get Mike back and Mike going through, what, like trial and tribulation? Something like that. It doesn't,
0: he goes through a little more of like a vision quest in part four. But yeah, this
1: one he's, I I don't, don't, it's hard to describe. He's just kind of going through a bunch of BS. Yeah, I mean, this movie, okay, there's a scene where Reggie is going to this like deserted town and... (laughs) I can't stop hiccuping, dude. I have bad like acid reflux tonight. Damn it. <laughs> but so what happens, He's he sees this really, really attractive woman digging through a car, and at that point, he <laughs> he pulls the Reggie out and tries of to uh, basically hit on her. <laughs> he pulls his Reggie out. That's great. That's going to be the new line, dude. Pull your Reggie out. <laughs> and she pulls gun on him, and at that point, two guys come up behind him, and they assault him and knock him. Pretty much knock him out, right? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And then they stick him in the back of the Hemikuda. Yeah, and, and she has, for some reason, a pink hearse. <laughs> it was like a very light pink, though. That's like a Mary Kay uh, death squad. Which I believe uh, if you sell enough caboodles, you get that.
0: That's what I'm saying. That,
1: that's your company car. So um, they go to this house, and when you, they get to the house, you really don't know what's going on because there are all sorts of gravestones out front, and... They leave Reggie in the back of the car and they go inside and right. I don't remember what happens when they get inside, but I know the kid confronts them. And, well, no, and, they, they
0: walk in and there's like there's clowns all over the place. And there's one clown that's like stuck with a bunch of spikes through it that's seemingly on the ceiling. But it's actually, um, you know, when, uh, it, it, the actual board flops down and would impale you on it if, uh, you know, if you didn't. And they, you know, they find all sorts of little booby traps like that.
1: Oh, yeah, and then uh, that the kid appears to them, and the guy says something derogatory to the kid, and the kid throws a tomahawk, and the guy ducks, <laughs> and it kills his girlfriend, like right in the face. You know what, and I was bummed out because uh, she was not ugly. No, she was very attractive, and you only had two chicks in this movie, so. Well, three, but the other
0: one takes a, takes something to the head early on in her uh, her screen time as well. Oh, you just don't want Liz? No, no, no. I'm talking about uh, when they go to the, when they find Rocky, Rocky's friend. Oh, you see you You only see her for a minute until she gets a ball to the head. That was cool, though. That was the best, uh, that was oh, the best I,
1: example of the ball shooting the b- brain or whatever it. out. It was awesome. Really cool. But um, they go into this house, and that ma- that girl gets killed, and so her boyfriend starts running around like it's hard, and <laughs> the kid, they run outside for some reason, and the kid throws a Frisbee that, I mean, it's extreme. It's got blades all over it, and it flies up and then comes back and slices the dude in the throat. It acts as a boomerang. Uh, The kid was
0: crafty. Oh, he was awesome. His dad was the sheriff, so he learned all that from his dad, I assume. I'm pretty sure his dad was Rambo. (laughs) his dad like was uh just got out of vietnam and uh, yeah. was was, in, was walking across the, the the countryside and was uh impregnating women along
1: the way <laughs> but uh, and the, the the third guy after the the other two uh, the girl and the guy are dead he falls into a pit and he starts talking shit to the kid and then all you he <laughs> hear is a gunshot and then it's done and then he goes and he gets uh reggie out of the trunk and that's when they start their little journey, and, and right. the, kid tell, the kid tells his backstory about how his dad was killed, and his mom, you know, was a sucker to it too. Yep. Well, and and that's basically what I got from that. That was that his mom, um, she was so trusting, and she went to see what, what was going on with the dad, and she ended up, ended up um, becoming a minion or something too. It was something like that, and it ultimately this movie's <laughs> oh, which I need to mention this. They're driving toward the end, Rocky, Tim, and Reggie are driving to do their confrontation with the tall man and the three punks that just died come back. But more zombified. But like in a comical way. They were like all laughing and hooting. They were like drunk teenagers.
0: They were like the three stooge zombies.
1: Oh, they were they they were. And there's this whole car chase and they're you know, they're swiping each other and I'm going to say right now that this is the best car crash I've ever seen in a movie, dude. <laughs> when that car flips up, it is standing completely straight up in the air, but spinning sideways the whole time. And I don't know if you looked it up, but they said something about how that's one of the longest car jumps that spun like that ever. Oh, really? Cool. Yeah. It was wicked, man. That was really cool. <laughs> and the hearse does that, the pink hearse. They get to the uh, the mortuary, and... Uh-huh. The girl and Tim end up fighting, like, the, the zombie people come back, the thugs, and mm-hmm. they fight them a couple times, and I'm, I'm, try- I'm having a hard time remembering what actually happens. <laughs> I know Reggie finds Mike.
0: Well, basically, well, first of all, we need to talk a little bit about Rocky. Because, Better boobs, or well, well, sure about it. Oh, by the way, uh, Rocky, who looks just like Grace Jones, like I said, she's basically this this lady who has a flat top and who is skilled with numchucks. Yeah. Okay.
1: I was very mistaken as a kid; like I always thought she had a mohawk, but it was definitely a flat top. She had the uh, kid and play going on.
0: Oh yeah. Well, it was, it was the night. That's how all, uh, that's how a lot of, uh, African Americans wear their hair, uh, you know, back in, what was this? ninety ninety four or whatever. 94, yep. But, uh, she was awesome because she was like, she played the, uh, the badass. I don't, you know, I don't take no crap from nobody type of, uh, uh, role. And there, there's one point where, where, like I was telling you, they, they stop at a motel and Reggie gets her in the bed by, by himself. And, uh, he says the greatest pickup line of all time, and it goes, uh, "Let's see."
5: Ever try vanilla? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't I tell you dairy products give me gas? So
0: I, I was I was bummed out. I, I was hoping that uh, that uh, Reggie would get some, but don't worry, people. He ends up getting some.
1: Well, so. kind of. I mean, she handcuffs them and they fall asleep, and then he wakes up and he's got her all over him. All but, I remember seeing is nipples. Yeah, they they were nice. They, I would say, as far as the series go, probably the best quality. <laughs> Just because you don't see the girl's face in part one.
0: Right. Exactly. There's oh well, det- yeah, and and, and I'll and I'll buy that.
1: Well, there's a, a detachment there now that I know that it's not the lavender lady's boobs, and that hurts. It does. <laughs> as far as three goes, it ends where. Mike's starting to notice more and more that he's bleeding, and he's got this yellow. What'd you say? Um, embalming fluid.
0: Right. Well, I, he, keep, he, I keep wanting
1: to call it like alien blood. I don't know why.
0: But you, but, but you have to realize that Mike actually gets uh, gets taken by the tall man, and they put him on an operating table, and actually starts to to operate. And that's that's when uh, what's his name Reggie takes the he impales the tall man with a spear dipped in liquid nitrogen. And you know, this, there's another beef I have. They find out that in this one that the tall man doesn't like cold. And correct me if I'm wrong, but Mike makes that realization when he has a flashback to when he was a little kid, and he the tall man sees him from across the from across the street, and Reggie's ice cream truck is there, and the back's open, and there's kind of like some dry ice smoke coming out of it or something. Yeah. How, how did he remember that? How did he know he didn't like cold from that?
1: Well, he may have that memory, but there was no indication at all that that was bothering him.
0: Well, and, and that's what I'm saying. That, that was just kind of weird.
1: Well, and, and, and that's what I mean, because, because they show that flashback, and then it cuts to the scene where he's like, he doesn't like cold. And right? how did you, how'd you figure that out? And, that, and that's what I'm
0: saying. Uh, you know, but the thing is, is Rocky, or, I'm sorry, it was Rocky that impaled the tall man, um, and his flesh just started to melt. Rocky and Reggie locked him into this refrigerator-type of room, like a walk-in thing. But a golden sphere comes out of his head and starts chasing him around. Um, in, in, in the golden sphere, I don't know, it just kind of seemed like a regular sphere on steroids or whatever. But, uh, and this is another problem I have with number three. Reggie catches it with a plunger.
1: <laughs> there I liked a
0: pl- that. that was cool. there is a plunger for some reason in the mortuary somewhere. That was he That kept- was
1: my problem was that it was just randomly lying there, but I, <laughs> I didn't mind the fact that it, he used it.
0: He catches it in the plunger, and there happens to be this giant tank full of uh, uh, nitri- uh, like liquid nitrogen. With a bunch of floating heads in it because people hope that well, you know one day Futurama will become true and they'll be able to have like robot bodies and their heads unfrozen and you know whatever so that that that's the reasoning for there to be a big giant nitrogen uh, liquid nitrogen vat he takes the freaking um he takes the freaking ball or plunger with the ball in it and he starts to put it into the nitrogen but he, he tries to get the ball out of the nitrogen at first or sorry out of the plunger at
1: first. I was like, dude, throw the whole thing in I, I said the exact same thing. <laughs> that why is so funny. Like why what would you was, why would it? you care about the plunger at this point?
0: <laughs> yeah, what do you try you boy, you need a, you need a pinch of mean loaf and you're worried that you're gonna clog the toilet in the in the freaking mortuary? I,
1: I, I think he was worried about rocking him later, like he was gonna <laughs> use that for some reason.
0: <laughs> he needed that for some kind of uh to turn her on sexually. Hey,
1: she has handcuffs, he has a plunger. That's all <laughs> I'm saying. <laughs>
0: Well, and, and and so that that's kind of how he dies there. Uh, well, I guess not really dies. We but the, but the ball goes into the to the liquid nitrogen. But anyway, this is when Mike climbs from the table and sees the yellow blood, you know, coming from his head. He looks into the mirror and sees that he's got golden sphere, uh, this golden sphere in his head, and he's got the the, the like the silvery eyes. Well, and, the sphere
1: uh, wasn't golden, was it? I thought it was just a regular one.
0: Well, I'm I'm looking at Wikipedia, so could it could be or could not be. <laughs> But, uh, anyways, Mike was complaining about the cold, walked outside. But, uh, basically, Mike just kind of takes off. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, th- I think this is when he starts his vision quest, that he continues through number four.
1: And I, I it was really cool because, at this point, he doesn't know who he is.
0: Right. And well, I and like it, that. And it seems to be that he's something special to... Um to the tall man for some reason in oh and movie.
1: and they they definitely talk about that in part four that's that 's that in part four i it's the tall man has the most lines in part four and, and he definitely right. has more interaction with mike
0: in in that 's right, and there seems to be some kind of a connection more than just uh you know oh you screwed me throughout all these films you know whatever anyways uh we also remember at the very end of uh, this one uh Reggie gets uh gets trapped by the tall man because in this one there was like a thousand spheres floating around, you know. And you know and what actually, I liked
1: about that? Uh, was you could tell some of them were fixed, but some, of, some them of them were, were like twitching. hanging. Yeah, some yep. of them were just hanging like Christmas bulbs. <laughs> yep. And you could tell they were just like dangling right there. But you know well, and just
0: kinda of going back and forth. Yep.
1: But I figure with their budget being lowered again. You know, I'll give that him. Well, to the,
0: the budget was two point five million, so it was. I mean, it was, was it really? 000, yeah, it was five hundred thousand less than than uh, part two, but it was still low. But I, I think what what happened was is the studio said that they. I I don't know exactly where they got the money. They said they wouldn't finance it, but they said they would distribute it, and so that's why Costacarelli got got Mike uh, back, and uh, but anyway, um, what and then what happened? Tim comes back. Finds the poles, uh, let's see, of the dimensional fork in the nitrogen tank overturned. Oh, we forgot, we we didn't even mention the dimension fork in this. But, uh, he basically goes, he finds Reggie, tries to get a, a, a gun. But one of the best, one of the best things ever, and this continues in number four, but there's actually a new tall man who appears and, uh, uh, pulls Tim through a window, or, or one of his minions pulled Tim through a window, um, and i think that's uh, that's just where it ends and i think all of these before ended ended like someone get pulled out of a window
1: yeah mirror or a window
0: <clears throat> yep that which was uh, freaking cool
1: i really like this movie and if anything this movie really kept me entertained like more than 2 or 1 i think this movie well, the- was it was exciting <clears throat> because it was all kind of new to me
0: but it's funny because and i agree and it was fun to watch but the the I mean there was just a couple of parts where I mean yeah okay I can understand that there's Jawas I can understand there's a guy walking dimension to dimension and I you know with uh, with these balls that fly around that uh, <laughs> that uh, in this one we we find out that they're actually kind of spirits of, so some of them some of them can morph into people like Jody like Jody's ball morphs into himself um, and also we find out that uh, the miniaturized brains actually get implanted inside these balls in this one. I can buy all that, but towards the end, kind of where there's like that liquid nitrogen thing and, and all these heads are floating around in it. And then he uses a plunger. Uh, I just was like, come on, <laughs> I like
5: but it, man. it,
0: it was, fu- it was fun. And I will admit that to you. But, I don't know, I think that even though I still enjoyed it, it takes it takes away from the overall quality for me. You know, especially when you, number one was, in, in, even number two, were relatively dark. Whereas this one was kind of, you know, kind of the, the more of the slapstick, more of the, you know, seemed more like Army of Darkness a little bit. You know, not, not that bad, but you know what I mean.
1: Yeah, I, I, I can agree with that. I just think this is what the series needed at this point, because I think two was such a downer.
0: It could have been, and I agree, it, you know, and that definitely could have been. So, I mean,
1: because when I watched this the other day, I don't, I did not remember this being as fun as it was. <laughs> like, I, I had a blast. Like, I don't know if Shelly enjoyed it, but I enjoyed the, I the whole time I was like, <laughs> look at that kid throw the goddamn tomahawk! I'm like, oh, yeah. like I was like freaking out. <laughs> I thought it was the greatest movie ever. I mean, not not like the best <laughs> thing I've ever seen in my life, but I I really enjoyed it. Like... To me, this was the you know Nightmare on Elm Street had the Dream Warriors. Yeah, this for me was like the Dream Warriors. This was such <laughs> such a redemption for the series to me.
0: Well, in in, in it, there was some freaking awesome stuff. Like you had the Grace Jones lookalike. You need to look up who that is. I am going going to look that up. But yeah, uh, the Grace Jones lookalike, who was a master of the nunchucks. You had a kid who could like pick off these flying spheres, you know, with a six shooter at a midair. You know, you had – they were all – the interactions were lighter. They were funny. You had all the, you know, kind of the – Reggie was pulling out as Reggie a little more often, as, as you put it. <laughs> pulling the Reggie uh, out. Yeah, and, you know, and it was it was funny. I just – I mean, it was it, – in my opinion, it was just kind of a, a different kind of movie. And I, I did enjoy it, but I didn't think it was I, – I, I it's hard for me to put it up with, um, you know, near number one. And I know you didn't like number two with the dude in it, but I, I think I still like number two a little bit better.
1: Really? Yeah. Um, well, and, that, you know, and
0: this could have been the mood that I watched it in, you know, as opposed to whatever. Maybe I was in a grumpy mood. No, but I was laughing. I mean, it was good. Here, here's my quandary right now. I'm having a hard time criticizing it. Because it was so fun, but I just know that I didn't like it as much as one or two.
1: Oh, man. I I don't know, man. Maybe I'm just, I just loved it. I don't know.
0: Well, that's cool. You don't, listen, you don't have to, you have to be ashamed of yourself, okay?
1: I am not. I just, I, I, maybe it's because it's been so long, but these movies to me were just all brand new, and (laughs) this one to me is just uh, fantastic, man.
0: Right. That was awesome.
1: Hey, did you, did you did. learn anything?
0: I did. I uh, learned that actually the tall man, who may be evil, he's actually very polite because he made sure to dispose of his um, unused dead body when he came back to life. Did you <laughs> notice that? He threw it through the t- thing. Through he through the, threw it uh, through the thing. portal. Yep. Um, in this, and the next thing I learned kind of was, it goes throughout the whole series up to this point. Uh, the tall man is actually really hard of hearing. Because you can sneak behind him and he won't hear you. People are always spying on him, jumping out the back of cars, and doesn't know, you know, things like that. I just think he's uh, getting kind of old. Maybe no, he, he wants
1: he wants you to.
0: Oh, maybe. He wants you to uh,
1: watch him. Well,
0: <laughs> <yuck>. <laughs> maybe he'll treat himself. Yeah. Uh, with some uh, yellow gooey lubricant. Anyway, that was a little gross. Uh, Grace Jones has really pokey nipples. Oh, and they're nice. Is lactose intolerant. Uh, uh, this pro- this proves that dudes literally think with their balls, and that's all.
1: <laughs> I learned that kids who throw tomahawks and extreme frisbees kick ass.
0: They do
3: kick ass.
1: I learned that kids who jump through with the window of a moving car kick ass. <laughs> and I learned, finally, that dead people are assholes because they destroyed the Cuda. Oh, the Hemikuda. The Hemi Right, 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 right. Yeah, right. I, uh, I can't... I'm not down with that. That car... I mean, I guess bad. every movie, that's their goal, is to destroy the hell out of it. But I was, I was crying.
0: That, that, it was, was, that was awesome. I would definitely drive that car over what I drive now. For sure. <laughs> did you get any? Who else said that? I did. I got one. Um, there's one that said, uh, you're pulling my leg. Someone else said, I wish I was. And uh, that's actually when I tried to grab Ferguson's leg so he could walk around carrying me around on his leg. But then I made the realization that it actually wasn't his leg that I was grabbing. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's it.
1: Oh, okay. Um, I feel like you're disappointed in me. No, I am not. Dis- I usually have kidding. two of them. I'm just kidding. Anyway. Here's mine. Okay. Picture that. The three of us facing down the forces of evil. That was Nirvana when they destroyed 80s butt rock.
4: Oh,
0: Where... 80s butt rock was not evil.
1: <laughs> and uh, my last one is. Shit, what the hell are those? That was me when I saw Tara Reid's boot job. <laughs> oh, those were pretty really bad. Man. Those yeah. were bad.
0: No, I agree with you because, uh, yeah. <laughs> I used to really think she was like so hot, too. Me, too. It was um, sucks.
1: The memories in this, there were two. There were actually four, but there were two sets. Uh, my in the Balls goes to Henry. He was the uh, older thug. And it's for him talking crap when he was at an obvious disadvantage. (laughs) He was in that hole, and he's telling that kid, I'm going to kill you when I get out of this hole. The kid's above you with a gun. (laughs) You're not getting out of that hole, dumbass.
0: That's awesome. And that's my Uh, kick in the balls. I only have one kick in the balls. It's Mike for being (laughs) – this is so stupid. Uh, For being suspiciously talented at balancing balls on his forehead. Nice. You know what? He sat there He sat there, like communing with uh, Jody by balancing Jody's ball on his head. Like oh, his sphere. So or his wrong. his black sphere. That was so funny. I just, I kept laughing. I give this a, I'd still buy this because I think I would buy every one of these because they're all really good. But I've got to say, I've got to say a buy with, with an asterisk. What's that? And the asterisk, and the asterisk is going to say
1: a plunger? Really? <laughs> and then that's it. Um. Oh man. Like, I hate to. The, I hate to just throw this around so loosely, but I yeah. really would get the bones off. Really? I, well, you know that? I, I. I enjoyed this as much <laughs> as the first one. Oh man. I don't, Okay.
0: Well, that's fine. I, listen, I understand that you can enjoy movies for different reasons, and I. I think this was definitely a different movie than number one. But I, I just. I. You know. I just don't think it was quite as good. But listen. It's not like I can revoke your bones off giving privileges, okay? Hey, you know, it wasn't Sorority Row. (laughs) Oh, dude, I freaking love that movie.
1: (laughs) 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 Oh, nice. (laughs) Oh, anyway. No, I, I, you know, I just, this movie to me, I mean, seriously, I'm probably going to watch it again in the next week are you serious yeah i swear to god i love this movie man this was so good to me
0: well i want my wife to watch this because of how just funny it was and just to see just to see ever try vanilla that line was awesome <laughs> i mean i mean i rewound it made my wife watch uh the uh sphere booby part in part four so did you really she, yeah she already knows what's gonna happen anyway that's all i gotta say about number three. Oh, absolutely
2: Sitting here at midnight, and I've been sitting here till noon. You see, my baby left me lonely, yes, she did. My baby left me blue, and I'm just so sad, and lonely. Since I lost my love. Blue, I could feel for a lifetime, and I wonder who is holding you, baby. Who's holding you in your life? I'm just sitting here. myself in wine, and while I'm searching for a reason, a hundred come to my mind, and I'm just so sad and lonely, since I lost my love. i uh-huh.
0: And finally we're gonna be talking about Phantasm IV Oblivion, which came out in nineteen ninety-eight.
2: the spheres has remained a mystery. Now, two innocent people are about to confront the ultimate evil. Now,
4: this won't hurt a bit.
2: Well, maybe just a
4: little bit. By horror thriller with balls, Phantasm Four. Boy.
0: Uh, directed and written, of course, by Don Coscarelli. We mentioned that IMDb gave it the lowest score out of any Phantasm, which, which is five point. It's d- five point four.
1: Do you agree with that? Um, yeah, I, I agree with 5.4 for this one. Oh, Um, I mean, I mean, but as far as being the lowest in the series. Um, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) no,
0: no, no, no. No, I, I like this movie kind of like I like part three, except for, I think I like part three better, um, because it was more fun. This one was just, it was kind of weird. And in the ending was just like, what
1: a little, well, and when we get to the end, I want to talk about that a little bit. Because okay, I me and Shelly were talking about it, and she got something different than I got from it. So okay,
0: because I just I, I just barely finished it like one minute before we started uh, recording. <laughs> nice. <laughs> anyway, um, the budget for this was six hundred and fifty k. Um, the one, one, uh, thing, one note on the music is it seems like a lot of people came back to do the music. However, Reggie Bannister is credited with doing some of the music. It's actually the song that plays during the end credits called, have you seen it was actually composed and performed by Reggie Bannister and his band under the name
1: Reggie B and the Yiswail and yeah doggies. But let me ask you this. Uh, did you know that that song, have you seen it was about his Reggie?
0: I, I, well, obviously, when he's like, when, uh, with lyrics like, I pulled out my Reggie and I put it up her butt. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I think it was pretty obvious what the song was about. Oh, I need to get that yeah. album. <laughs> that's a, well, yeah, when you're putting Reggies up butts, that's, I mean, you got to get that. That reminds me of like, like uh, get old Easy e you know, <laughs> those kind of lyrics, like, you know, <laughs> I said lay down and I, unbutton your bra. They were the biggest Reggies that ever. never mind, now. I'll I'm, just stop. Right I'm there.
1: pretty sure Reggie was in NWA. <laughs> <laughs> At least in the in the later NWA.
0: Uh yeah, but uh I don't think <laughs> I you know what, that's that's completely believable.
5: Anyway <laughs>
0: Uh let's see, it starred all of the uh all the same people. We had uh a couple of, we had, we had one new person of uh of note, we had Heidi Marnhout. She was as, cute. She was freaking hot. And uh, I was, it, it, part of me, I'm just going to spoil one part right now. The, there's one part where I talk about how Reggie. Uh, where I think I talked about it already in this episode because it made such a big impact. But Reggie, like, while she's sleeping, and buttons her shirt, and uh, her boobies are already like s- like squealing around, like like vibrating or whatever. And then he takes off her shirt, and I was like, yes. But then they were like two uh, two of the phantasm balls, and, uh, but, and did that, my voice did, did not... my voice just crack on balls? That sucked. But it, I was it, like, it, it part did. of me part of me was like really like. Oh, I didn't get to see him, but oh my gosh, this is freaking bad to the bone. But
1: uh, anyway. That did so. not count as a mammary count either. No, and
0: it sh- and it shouldn't because, you, I mean, as you know, boobies only count if you see the nipple. Exactly. Try explaining that to a woman. They won't get it. Well, try explaining what? that to a spear. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I've, but literally, have you ever tried explaining that to a woman? What if they great about nipples? Even you have nipples. Well, that's not the same.
1: I've heard that. I've heard, uh, actually, a woman one time said, uh, what's the deal with uh, guys have nipples? I'm like, guys have hairy nipples. There's a big difference. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and
0: if there's milk coming out of uh, men's nipples uh, after they have a baby, some's fuzzed up. Exactly. It's not for me. <laughs> oh, man. Do you know I lived for uh, six weeks in the Arctic off breast milk alone?
5: What? <laughs> uh
0: that's not true at all. Anyway, uh number 4 starts right after number 3 ends. Uh Reggie is st- is still stuck to the wall by a bunch of balls. Uh but for some reason the tall man, <laughs> some reason the tom man just lets him go. You know, uh and like we said Mike is on some kind of vision quest. He heads out in a hearse. By the way, this these this series made me want to do two things. First of all, buy a hearse, and second of all, grow a skullet. Play guitar and become an ice cream man.
1: Skull it. (laughs) But
0: anyway, anyways. Oh, because that's all I could grow at this point. Uh, But anyway, it's it's funny because it seems like Reggie's kind of tired of going after Mike and trying to figure out, you know, what Mike's got going on and saving him for whatever. But uh, Jody, the morphing ball, comes and has a talk with him, talks him into going after him. Uh, Nothing for morphing ball. (laughs) I've (laughs) never seen that. (laughs) Well, you yeah, come on now, now we're into the the digital effects where he can morph from a ball into a human, you know, you anyway. know and
1: I think I noticed in this movie a lot of digital effects,
0: yeah, and they and I think in three is when they really started, but they really went to ten this well, plus it was nineteen ninety eight so I mean this is uh you know I mean. This is uh, well in, the, in, in uh, you know, that, that kind of era where digital and computer
1: effects you know, and whatever. You know, it didn't look bad. It didn't look bad, really. I mean, no, compared- I don't think
0: it did. And you've got to realize a, a lot of the stuff where they usually get screwed up, that, that, the, you know, like in the blood and the gore, all that seemed to be all, you know, practical effects still. So, I mean, every once in a while, if you see a ball morph into a dude, which, like I said, didn't look bad. But even if it did, those weren't critical moments of, uh, you know, of, of, that a lot of your enjoyment of the movie is based on.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it was fine. You
0: know. Uh, it's funny uh there's one part where uh Reggie is is kind of kind of back to his thing trying to to track down Mike. He runs into this cop, he gets pulled over. Uh the cop is like some kind of zombie super cop. And uh you know they fight back and forth but one of the best scenes in the movie because Reggie somehow gets in the car, gets in the cop car, locks the zombie out and is so happy with himself, he starts <laughs> laughing, flips the cop off, and is like, F you! I sort of bust it up laughing. But then, of course, that was followed by Reggie finding, uh, realizing that there were no keys in the car, so he's still screwed.
1: Oh, and that cop was huge. He was like eight foot
0: tall. Oh, yeah. And, well, not to mention that he was a freaking zombie cop, you know, so that adds. But I think it was funny, too, because, uh, and this is another one of those, what the crap. It it turns out also that the cop decides in order to get him that he's going to lay his body over the top of the windshield, you know, in, in the top of the car. That uh, And it just so happens that there was a shotgun in the car that... Uh, you know, that was bolted in, you know, cops have those shotguns and the only place he Reggie could not get the shotgun out. However, he could, the only place he could shoot it was directly up. Well, thank goodness that the, the zombie cop decided to lay right on the only place where he could get shot by the shotgun. Listen, I'm not going to get caught up on that, but I just wanted to make sure that uh, we noticed that
1: he shot him like three times directly in the chest. All <laughs> well, right,
0: I, you know, it, was, it was pretty funny. Anyway, so Reggie gets gets away. He's driving his Hemi Cuda that uh, has more lives than the tall man. Um, it's funny because he comes along. You know, obviously most of the, the streets are uh, deserted, and he you know doesn't see anybody. But he comes to a town and he sees this girl who's uh, you know on the phone from across the across the way. He catches up to her on the road a little bit later, and as he's passing her, their eyes meet and they share a a smile. And uh, all of a sudden, there's a turtle in the middle of the flipping road, and she swerves off the road, and her uh, car flips and uh, blows up right uh, right after uh, Reggie saves her, thank goodness.
1: Like, who the hell does that? That turtle <laughs> didn't even look that damn big. It looks small.
0: I would have ran that over in a second. In oh, fact, me too. Probably, if, if it was, like, post-apocalyptic time like that, I probably would have aimed for it. Not really. Maybe.
1: Well, hey, that, that's good turtle soup later.
0: Uh, but anyways, they find a motel. He and uh, Jennifer, who, like we said, is really hot, they find a motel. Uh, he basically tells her the whole tall man story. And, of course, she – and, by the way, she's quite a tease. Uh, she's changing behind one little, you know, uh, uh, what do you call that, like a shower curtain, and it's clear. And she that, comes out covering up. That it's just like, pissed oh, me Oh, my gosh. Off. Because I know <laughs> if
1: if ever there were a good time to see some boobs it was right there and then right when you because because you remember the spears coming out of her boobs
0: right absolutely
1: i, I did not remember that so oh
0: dude i knew when
1: that. i watched this i was like oh he's about to see some boobs well let me ask you something. When when he
0: woke up from the dream, looked over and her boobs were like squishing and, and twitching, what did you think was gonna happen? Did you remember at that point?
1: No, I thought something weird was gonna happen, but I did not think spheres. I thought like <laughs> maybe they were gonna be like gyrating and being all possessed by the devil or that something. That would
0: have been that would have been hot as hell.
1: Yeah, but but I did not expect shiny metallic bulbs. <laughs> oh man were you disappointed or what (laughs) that's a bummer I'm I'm telling you this movie had a memory count of zero and (laughs) it really should have had some
0: well especially since it was the hottest girl in any of the movies in this one
1: in my opinion hands down hands down dude (laughs) anyway
0: so uh uh, I mean I guess we gave away this part but there are a couple of spheres show up somehow (laughs) Somehow. <laughs> and they they start attacking Reggie. He kills one of them, uh, but gets his hand pinned to the wall with the other one. Uh, but his tuning fork kills it. Because uh, as we learn in this one, we, we kind of... You know what? This one, the one good thing about this one is we didn't get a crap load of background on it. But we did get enough background to know, you know, why tuning forks have an effect on the balls. You know, because that's a lot of the technology... <laughs> <laughs> that went that went into uh you know building all the the whole trans dimensional um you know and uh, phantasm floating ball technology is that technology i don't know ah uh, somewhat <laughs> anyway um so so this is at the point where we go back to and we're following Mike and he realizes he he kind of gets a little bit philosophical on our ass. Um, he finds a gate, he goes through it. He finds, uh, he goes in a, he's kind of sent back to Jebediah Morningside who, um, you know, is the precursor to the tall man. He, this is the guy that actually turned into the tall man, but, uh, you know, it's not till a little bit later. He goes back and, and he talks to the, the tall man, or I'm sorry, Jebediah really wants to say, Hey, you came from the portal. I need some answers, you know, but Mike gets, gets scared, runs away. Um, but this is kind of when it, it gets a little crazy. Mike all of a sudden realizes that he has the force. He drops a small rock on a scorpion. Then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, there's a Jawa running around, <laughs> and he drops a giant rock on a Jawa. And uh, and uh, before the Jawa dies, he goes, um, you know, or, you know, he was, uh, Mike was kind of looking around, thinking, I could do a small one and a big rock. The Jawa said to him, size matters not. Judge me by my size, do you? <laughs> our, 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 all right, that's not really there. But, uh, but anyways, I just I just thought it was so funny what a, all of a sudden he has the force and he's dropping rocks on Jawas. And uh, also through his dream quest, we found out that Mike is a technology wizard. He makes a sphere out of car parts he wants to uh, get, uh like just like a floating. is this weird to you is
1: it i mean cuz this whole scene i'm just like what the crap it, is going on it didn't make a whole lot of sense no it didn't but you know i think it's one of those things in order to buy any of this you have to go with it
0: i agree with you however if i i really think that if uh if this movie didn't have the sphere boobies, that this would have been a rental. But that really jumped it up.
1: That part? Um,
0: well, no, no, no. The whole movie. It would have been a. It would have been a, a red box. But since it had the sphere boobies, it really bumped it up.
1: And you know, also, uh, we got that. We got the, a, uh, I mean, uh, should we talk about it now? I mean, do you understand what was going on with that sphere in the car?
0: Well, maybe I don't. Like I don't. I, mean, I, I was really writing don't. Writing notes when I do. And that that's what I'm saying. Did I did I miss something? I don't. All of a sudden, he he opens up, he was driving a hearse. He opens up the tr- uh, the 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 hood, takes all these engine parts and makes a freaking uh sphere out of it. And I assume that what he wanted to do with it was, you know, maybe to to take out the tall man, you know, and uh but it doesn't really you don't really have any kind of uh explanation or anything and one thing also kind of switching gears um this movie had a lot of flashbacks to back when um mike was a kid
1: that was awesome
0: man well and it's amazing basically what it was is the first phantasm i guess the first cut of it was three hours long but they obviously they cut it down to be around an hour and a half well they had all this extra footage laying around so they used it as flashbacks in this which i thought was cool in fact i couldn't figure i'm like how in the hell did they do that i i think there's no possible way that they could have had this much extra but i was wrong that's that's what it was there and it and it fit in the i'm not saying it fit exactly perfectly into the into the story i mean there's like for instance uh, reggie's having a dream is it reggie's having a dream where um you know mike hangs the the
1: the tall man from a tree and stuff but well but, in, uh, in part 1 i think on the special features they say that they filmed i think angus grim himself said that there were about 5 or 6 different death scenes for the tall man filmed uh-huh and well, that they he thought that was too it was too excessive and so they cut it back and because they cut it back, they were able to show scenes like him being hanged by the tree in this one, and I thought that was really awesome because we had well, never seen that.
0: Well, and I agree with you because it, it, I mean, how? I it, but but let, I mean, let's be honest with you. That really had no bearing on the story. None at all. Dream. None. But it was it was a cool scene though. It, in, it was know, one of those things. And it, it fit well. It was a well, treat
1: plus, to see, but it, it did nothing for um anything. No plot enhancement. Nothing like that.
0: Well, there's a lot of things that happen in this in these in these movies where you're just like, where it happens and you just kind of go with it. But then you, if you think back to it later, you're like, why did that happen? Yeah, you know? <laughs> I'm serious. It happened to me a lot. It really did. Um, yeah, I know. But uh, anyway, uh, what happens is Jody actually appears to Mike and uh, takes uh, Mike to to, uh, kind of give us a backstory on Jebediah Morningside who eventually becomes the tall man. And I thought that was pretty cool. I mean, it didn't give a, a whole, uh, it didn't give you a whole lot of, uh, of, uh, uh, you know, background it just kind of, you know, gave you enough here and there. And you didn't, I mean, they didn't like try to explain technically or what was going on or exactly how everything worked, but it did say stuff like he used heat and cold and, and, uh, which makes the nitrogen thing in part uh, that in part three, maybe a little more believable. But, uh, uh, but I still don't like the, uh, the whole plunger thing anyway. And, you know, and also like with tuning forks and whatnot, but anyway, uh, let's see. Do you want to talk about the ending?
1: Okay. Oh, you are, you mean the very ending where it shows Mike hop on the ice cream truck? Well, well, I was, I was just
0: thinking that uh, there's there isn't a heck of a lot more to this. I mean, it turns out that uh, um, uh, Jody. Uh, I don't, I don't know if we need to. I don't know if we need to spoil this one because it's the last one, but, but I don't care. What do you think? I think we
1: should because I really want to talk about the ending.
0: Okay, well then, just take 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 it from here, my man.
1: As far as the very ending goes. At the very end... It, okay. Mike... Gather your thoughts.
0: Yeah, Mike Mike has
1: the spear um, taken out of his head. Mm-hmm. And at that point, the tall man leaves. He takes the spear and leaves. Then it cuts back to a flashback of Mike jumping on um, Reggie's ice cream truck, and they're sitting next to each other, and... Reggie but says, they're young, but he's young, but Mike right, yeah, is young,
0: the, yeah, and Reggie's and, young.
1: Yeah, it's the old is it's old footage, mm-hmm. and Reggie says to Mike something to the effect of, um, th- they say something, I don't know what it is, but they, but Reggie says, did you hear that? And he goes, oh, well, that was just the wind, and then they drive off, and, it's, and right. every, everything is fine and dandy. Well, here's my question, all right? In part one, whenever Mike is hearing all these like little creatures the dwarves Mm -hmm. mike says did you hear all that growling did you hear that and jody says oh that's just the wind don't worry about it well at the end of this one whenever mike said it's just the wind and grudgy was questioning it was was it a trading places kind of thing where where mike had died like jody had died in the first one and well, Re- who
0: knows and and do we even know? It? Yeah, I, I, that's what I'm saying. I mean, cuz he could he could have been dead. That could have he could have I mean, we don't even know.
1: Well, I know, but like I really would like to know. And that's my mind. My <laughs> mind is seriously it's circling this thought that maybe Reggie is still alive and he is going to have to do something now because and and Shelly thought and Shelly told me she thought they both died. That that was the end. They both died.
0: Oh, that's so happy. That Re- and that could be, too.
1: That Reggie and Mike died, and that was their happy ending, was that when they died, they were both together, how they remembered loving each other, and that was the end. And, and to me, it was like, I, I don't know. I wanted more than that. I didn't want them both to die. I wanted Mike to maybe be guiding Reggie now.
0: Right. I, who knows?
1: But what would you say? I mean, what would you say? <sighs> well...
0: Here's here's the thing. At the very end of the first one, when Mike gets pulled through that mirror, and without having seen the second one yet, I was just like, "What the shit?" <laughs> you know, there's no ending. So at the, at the second one, how does the second one end again? The second Basically, one ends where
1: they're in the hearse.
0: They get pulled out of the back of the hearse, and I'm like, "What the shit? <laughs> what what's going on there?" And then we, and then we find out that uh, the girl died, but Mike's okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know. But then at the end of the third one. Uh, you know, Mike's going out on his dream quest and, uh, you know, the kid gets pulled through the, the whatever, but we're just like, well, that's not an ending, you know? And so this one, I'm just thinking, well, I think they just left it open just like all the rest of them, but you know, maybe they never got around to it to, 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 I don't know, you know, it's weird. I, I there are, I think there are a lot of things that you could say happened I think that both the things you talked about were were you know valid they both died mike died and now you know I don't know maybe they're starting cuz it was it was a little too dreamy to kind of be in a to you know it's not like it really was it was very
1: very dreamy
0: yeah so i mean it's like very so phantasmic oh good one <laughs> um you know what's funny is uh I think after part three, there was a, um, a guy named Roger Avery actually wrote a whole nother, uh, screenplay for, for the movie. And, uh, basically how it, how it went is, uh, the year was 2012 There are only three U S states left. Uh, but between New York and California, there's just a huge wasteland known as the plague zone. Uh, basically the tall man controls that area, uh, in, but most of the people are dead. Uh, so the tall man is able to just like make a ton of dwarf slaves and, uh, you know, for, for his area every day in a, it says a Mormon mausoleum, but I don't really know what that has to do with it. I don't know if he's, that was weird.
1: Yeah, I read that too. Mormon.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Anyway. Um, so anyways, other, basically there's this whole other story. That, um, uh, is going on and, and there's other plot twist to it in there, you know, but I mean, that could be a whole nother, uh, that could be a whole nother sequel there. I mean, th- that was written after part three, you know, and, uh, was potentially going to be part four, but then they ended up taking a few things from it and, and, and making oblivion. But, uh, I don't know, maybe I, I wonder if he's thinking, well, you know, it's, uh, um, now Reggie's so old balls and, you know, I don't know. I don't know if they could do another one with the same characters, but it sure seems like they left it open. Well, I, was, t-
1: I was told by Ferguson. I think it was Ferguson. What does that asshole know? <laughs> I was told that <laughs> there, there was actually a table reading for Part 5. Really? But I also read online that there was a Part 5 that was written by Coscarelli, and there was a part right. six written by that guy you were talking about, uh-huh. and that the events of part five would lead up to that part mm. six, where the middle states would be controlled by the tall man, and really, and at this point I don't think it's gonna happen because the status is completely just not. It's just not happening.
0: Well, this was 12 years ago, and I mean, and there and there have been big layoffs between each one of these. But the problem is, is I mean, now that it's 12 years later, Reggie's old. They're
1: all so old. They they're all. You old. know. But I mean, if you think about it, I mean, Coscarelli is he's one. Scrim still alive? Yeah, he is, and he and he's doing well. But the thing is, is Coscarelli wants to do another Bubba Ho and. I mean even that is taking a lot of time to get off the ground. So if he's taking that time that much time on one movie, yeah. I I just don't see another phantasm in the in the cards. And that makes me I mean it kind of makes me a little bit sad because I would like to for sure understand how this movie ended. Well-
0: and I think that's that's the main thing is we this is still up in the air and you know this this wasn't a movie to end at all I mean this this wasn't something that you could you could say okay now we're finally laid to rest you know but, whereas but the, I mean a lot I, guess, the- I guess none of the Friday the 13ths or. Nightmare on Elm Street really you could say that about too but this one was just it's like
1: it all it's almost like it just didn't really have an ending but there were some critics reviews of this movie where they did say that this was the perfect ending to the phantasm series and for well, me Well and I that I read some of those and
0: I'm just like huh Yeah you, I mean what do you mean it's a perfect ending Well maybe if you make a lot of assumptions which you can And I, I did I,
1: and I did make like I told you I, I said a couple of the ones that we thought but to me it's still not it's not closed. It's not exactly. something you can say that happened. And that's kind of
0: where that's kind of where I land on this. Is you know it was you know and this wasn't a bad movie, uh, but it just it didn't to me it didn't satisfy the uh, as being the end part.
1: But we'll see. The thing with this movie is it really it did satisfy, but not for being the end part. As far as them having all the cutscenes from the original movie. That was cool. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that was so awesome. And as far as them building around that and making a whole plot based on that, I mean, and, and some of those scenes, like we said earlier, had nothing to do with any kind of plot development. But they were really cool to see. I still, I really enjoyed that. But at the same time, this movie, when I, when, when this movie ended, and it said, directed by Don Coscarelli, I mm-hmm. thought, what the shit just happened because exactly because I, to me it's like I want some resolution I want some kind of I want some kind of ending to this that I can say well at the end of the Phantasm series this happened well we can't say that no in which is kind of a bummer but well you know honestly if, if you go I'm not if you go to IMDB or like um, what, what is it um video watchdog and you actually look through horror franchises like uh, Child's Play, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday Thirteenth, and any of these. This is one of the only series in horror history that has a pretty consistent rating.
0: Well, in, I mean, even in even on IMDb, it had
1: that. It's, I mean, it's it's. Uh, I mean, cause, and and I don't you know if that's the... because. It, it, do you think that's because it had the same writer and director, or do you think that's because it was overall? Just a satisfying series. I mean, that's that's my problem is that.
0: Well, they were. Well, the thing is, is they were all really, they were all pretty good. It's like you know when when you talk about a lot of franchises, you I um, mean you say, oh, Hellraiser one and two are freaking awesome, but but uh, Hellraiser Deader sucked my left nut sack because yeah. I have two full sacks with two balls in them apiece. But. Um, you know, I mean, you can do that with a lot of me You're like, oh, Friday 13th part five was terrible or whatever. But this one is like, well, first of all, there's only four of them. So, I mean, there's not quite as many to choose from. But secondly, it's like, you know, all of these were fairly solid. You had to overlook things. But I think as uh, horror fans that we that we can that we're OK with that, you know, like yeah. the damn plunger.
1: I still really don't have that big a problem with the plunger.
0: I cannot believe they used a friggin' plunger for that. All right, that's all I'm going to say about it. But gosh dang, that sucked. A plunger, um, A plunger takes out the gold
1: sphere that is the tall man. Okay, that's it. That's and that sphere say. was on the set called Rambo. <laughs> Did you see that? D- no. Yeah, on the set they called that because it was the s- supposedly... <laughs> the the most masculine, like, ballsy sphere. They called it Rambo. And a plunger took down Rambo, yo. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, John Rambo just got his ass taken down by a plunger. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Vietnam must have been a
0: lot wussier than I thought. I'm one telling of you, greatest man, you... Heroes can be I'm going to get an email about Vietnam
1: now, damn it. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, God. That would suck. I mean, you know what, ma'am? Coming off this movie... The thing, it's kind of like, I mean, I'm not going to compare this to Session 9 or a movie like that, but the thing I like about coming off this movie is that you can talk about this and you can say, well, did this happen or did this happen? And even though it's inconclusive and it's not the best way to end the series, I like the fact that in my mind, knowing that there's probably not going to be another Phantasm movie, Mm -hmm. I can end this how I want it to end, and that maybe... Reggie did and he, live And that Mike Was guiding him Or something And nobody
0: know. can tell you Differently
1: Because well, you
0: are A strong woman
1: <laughs> Exactly <laughs> Oh what What? Huh? Well I mean But no seriously no, I, I'll buy that unless, I, I, unless And that's fine Don Coscarelli Writes me a letter Which he'll probably Email me after the show Because we're so close And right. he'll say We're on first name basis Yeah Don And he'll say You absolutely Kruger dude 82 Had no idea What I was doing With this movie <laughs> you ass at the very end you did not realize that reggie was having a sex change and that mike was there to support him in this decision to get a vagina
0: oh you know what i that, i i love that movie now that gets a bone saw cuz <laughs> cuz of that ending i am serious if you're going to make if you're going to start with a penis and end up with a vagina you get a bone saw cuz probably a bone saw was used in the in the procedure
1: um it depends oh, on uh circumstances but Are you
0: real, are you really seriously going to argue with me about the logistics? No. I'm oh, not. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what. Whether or not the ending was satisfactory whatever, I really enjoyed watching all four of these movies. And they all are good. They're, they're all a little bit different. However, there there's obviously similarities that go throughout. Uh, some of my favorite ones were Reggie Becomes the Ladies' Man. Oh, um, he was awesome. You know, I want to be I Reggie. Think, I think that Reggie... Bannister for this set of movies deserves to be in some kind of horror hall of fame because he, he for, I mean, I I realize that he's been in other movies. What what movie was he in? Oh, the the freaking the uh, rage rage. Oh shit! <laughs> but, don't um, don't even mention that movie. <laughs> but uh, but for being in these four. He, I mean, he should like be getting residuals just for being awesome for the rest of his life and never have to work again because he was that awesome. Of course, I'm not going to be the one to pitch in for that, but still, somebody should. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be some kind of a uh, fun setup. Um, this series also gave us one of the baddest ass villains, um, you know, to be on the screen, which is the obviously the tall man. So, you know what? It, 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 I think the the between Reggie and all four of them. Um and The Tall Man, uh, played by Angus Scrimm, all four of them, this, this I think, d- deserves to be up in the, you know, regarded as one of the best horror franchises oh, ever. Oh,
1: absolutely. And, you know, nowadays they're trying to create a new horror, like, icon. But, and it's not picking up. But, exactly. And the reason why is because when you create something that is so well-received, it's natural. It's not something you force it right. just happens and if you have that talent to make it happen like Don Cuscarelli or Wes Craven or John Carpenter it's going to mm-hmm. happen it you don't have to force it and i think movies like this prove that not well, movies, in, like movies like phantasm IV movies like phantasm well
0: let's th- let's think about this though i mean so, uh, some of the greatest horror icons uh, came from very humble beginnings. I mean, very low budgets. Mike Myers, Jason uh Motherface. all those guys came from re- you know Freddie came from really low budget beginnings. Exactly. And people people latched to him because I think these directors did. You know they, they they were able to live out their vision even with you know limited resources, and uh, it, it clicked. And you know I it, they none of these seemed contrived, and I think that's what. I I think that's what really makes this one stand out, you know, even against some of the the more popular ones. Well, absolutely.
1: I mean, when you have to build a character that's going to stand alone and be scary, it's going to be a lot different than, look, okay, when when you're working on a certain budget and you have to make some, something scary based on fear alone and not special right. effects, mm-hmm. you're going to build something on what you know and and that's why these directors have done such a good job then you look at movies nowadays and these studios throw them money they just throw it at them and so the directors base the movie on the money and they don't build a plot around it it's it's all about how much money they have and what effects they're going to use it's gag after gag
0: it, it, you know, I mean, who really heard of Don Coscarelli before this? You no know, he one. Made two two shitty movies before. I I don't know if they're shitty. I assume they are. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, calling, you know, I'm telling I mean, Don. <laughs> well, Don Don's gonna be listening. I'm gonna get a hate email from him too. Jeez. Yeah, I got a piece of hate email last episode, but but that's why I keep bringing it up. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Keep sending it yeah (laughs) uh anyway man i I, you know i think that i think that's basically sums it up for me
1: i mean overall this is this is a series that will continue to be talked about agreed i mean i think so i don't do
0: you think so well it's obvious since we won't shut the f up right now
1: no but do you think no (laughs) No, i agree do you think people really are i mean interested in this
0: well, you know, it's, it's hard to gauge because it's like this one doesn't get nearly
1: as much press as a lot of other ones, but I'm not sure why. It really I, doesn't. Know, I don't and, know why. And I, and I thought the same thing, but when I told people at work I was doing this show, I said, Oh, we're going to review the, uh, Phantasm series. People were like, Whoa, really? And I was like, Yeah. I mean, we're doing that. And they're like, and I, and I would ask them, have you seen those? And they're like, Yeah. And I would tell, and I'd say, Well, have you seen one? They're like, Yeah. See, you seen two? Yeah. You seen three? And they said, I think so. You see four now, I haven't seen four. Well right. m- most people have gotten midway through the series, so at least they have a pretty good understanding of what it's about. And I mean, if anything, I mean the series has done its it's done it's done what it's supposed to do. Right. It's had some kind of impact. Are you saying it's good for what it was? No, I'm not saying it's good for what Uh-oh. it was. That's I good think, for everything, asshole! Exactly, Spooky Bill. I think this series... <laughs> is, no, I, I mean, honestly, I think the series is better than half the series that keep going. I agree. I I, I really wish, and it's
0: not going to happen, that we get one more.
1: I, dude, I know that Angus Scrimm and all the actors and Coscarelli, I know they're up for it, man. I just, they don't have the funding. I mean, if mm. maybe the Cadaver Lab could raise the funding for it. Yeah, let's
0: start a uh let's start a, a fund form Start sending your PayPal donations to no I'm just teasing
1: Phantasm five. Phantasm <laughs> five at cadaverlab dot com <laughs> uh,
0: yeah try to email that. It's not gonna work you, you have to make the email. Just just send cash to yeah, me. It's fine. Just send it to me. I'll I'll keep good care of it. The only thing I learned that is, if Mike can freaking get the force, then something's wrong with me because I can get the force. <laughs> so I need I need to freaking start concentrating. I guess I need to get a ball in my head first.
1: You're already halfway there. You have the name Mike. <laughs> That's right, man. Yeah, but I'm not a
0: weasel guy with a really long nose. You know, he got weird looking <laughs> as he got older. <laughs> I thought that was I thought that was actually going to be why they uh, didn't have him in part two because the dude was just kind of butt. He just got weird looking, man.
1: <laughs> I learned that monsters. Oh, you
0: know what? I'm oh. sorry. I did learn one other thing. That even if you're dead, you age because freaking Jody was getting old balls. Oh, his hair. He cut his damn hair. Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> they they were they were dressed this like sixty year old dude. Well, he wasn't that old, probably. Oh. but it's like it's like the same way he dressed in you know nineteen seventy nine. So that's twenty years later, practically.
1: Oh man, let me tell you something right now before I get into my uh what what did I learn? Uh-huh. The guy who played Jody, what's his name? Um, um, Thornsberry. I was actually on YouTube and I was watching his song that he sang with Reggie, uh-huh. in part one. And I saw some of the comments, and they're like, oh, that's Mr. Thornsbury And I'm like, oh, Mr. Thornsbury And I scroll down, and they're like, oh, my God, I didn't know Mr. Thornsbury was in a movie. And I'm like, what the freak? And I looked it up. These are his students. He's a music teacher at a high school.
0: Oh, are you? he looks like a music teacher in high yeah. school
1: when he gets a little older. Is it Bill Thornsbury? Is this his name? Uh, I think so. Yeah. He actually is a high school music teacher, and he oh records – he, he does music CDs, but – it's so funny to me that the guy, these guys... All these little kids are like, oh, my gosh, that's Mr. Thornsberry. Well No, seriously, go on YouTube and look it up because half the comments are like, I can't believe Mr. Thornsbury was in a movie that was pretty big, and they're all, like, so condescending, and I'm like, he was in a horror classic, you bastards, you little pricks. <laughs> I just want to stab these kids in the neck.
0: Well, uh, I, I typically would just want to stab kids in the neck anyway. Well, I mean, that's just a given, but...
1: <laughs> right. But, I mean... I couldn't believe that this guy is actually teaching kids music. I mean, it's it's awesome, but it's, at the same time, it's kind of sad because because he didn't make it. Yeah, I mean, the first well, movie was good. I mean, he wasn't he, the best, but you
0: know, he gave us all. Listen, if somebody's going to be teaching music, at least it's not Angus Scrim. Can you imagine screwing up like your violin note? All of a sudden, he whips around, boy.
2: <laughs> You play a good violin, but now <laughs> you're finished.
1: <laughs> like I'm um, sorry, Mr. Scrim, I messed up on a minor. What the fuck? <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> Leave me alone. It's like God, can I, I'm going to principal? <laughs> um, what you're I yelling like, boy? <laughs> what I learned in this, I learned that monsters sometimes they feed people banana pudding like a mother bird would feed her baby. <laughs> That scene where that cop <laughs> pukes in Reggie's mouth—that was so gross. It was so gross. It was like yes. lemon or banana pudding. I learned that the uh... I,
0: I hate. You know what? And this is this is something about most horror movies. I hate when like I can't stand like the thought of blood going in someone else's mouth. I realize vampires, really? blah blah blah. I, it makes me sick. Oh wow! Like, like when you can see people sucking blood, and there's actually like, so you can tell there's blood going in the mouth. It really grosses me out, man. and that really grosses me out too.
1: Man, you would uh, you would have a hard time at Gray's on a Saturday night.
0: Why are you you giving a lot of blowjobs and you're mm-hmm. swallower?
1: No, from Gray's, from the dark hours, man. That's what I'm saying. Not all the time. <laughs> Sometimes I spit. Sometimes I split. No. Um, uh, the flock of seagulls hairstyle is also known as bedhead. Did you notice that when Michael was in the the hearse and he was sleeping? He wo- oh, I didn't notice. He woke up and his hair was like exactly like Flock of Seagulls.
0: I do I
1: That wasn't Flock of Seagulls? Yeah, it was. Hush, hush, doosh, doosh, doosh. I'm pretty sure
0: it was. Sh- no no that was Goo. Dude Flock of Seagulls was and I ran, oh my I God. ran so far away.
1: I apologize to all the new <laughs> wavers out there.
0: All, you're going to get some hate mail.
1: Dude, I screwed up. How did I fuck that up, man? <laughs> I know my new wave. Goddamn!
0: damn it. By man. the way, I can't believe I knew that was Kedja Oh,
1: you know what? All the hate mail should get a mic for knowing that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I also learned, lastly, that turtles can fuck you up.
0: <laughs> and they don't even have to be teenage or ninja.
1: Exactly. If you run one over and you swerve, you're dead. They may kill you, you may lose your neck or your face.
0: Or your boobies or your your, pl- you may you may need boob implants that will explode.
1: You know, you may need boob implants that look somewhat like uh rims.
0: The rims?
1: I don't know. They're pretty they're pretty round and metallic. Uh <laughs> Some cops are real assholes. That was Rodney King. <laughs> was that bad? Come on. I like that one. You're, you're going to get hate mail. That I was, hope so. Was a, I was racially charged. Oh, whatever. <laughs> and the last one is, oh, yeah. That's the Kool-Aid man. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the Kool-Aid man. That's all I got there. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's great.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what would you give this movie, man?
0: Uh, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end up giving this one a buy. Me, too. Based, listen, based solely on the fact that it's part of the Phantasm series, you need it. There are some really awesome parts in it. However, if this wasn't a part of a greater, I would probably give it a red box.
1: Me, too. And the fact that this has archive footage that oh that and that was cool is never before seen it adds to the experience they, sh-
0: they should just add this movie as is uh, deleted scenes on the original Phantasm. Piece. I know <laughs> <laughs> you think they would
1: but uh, apparently the rest of the film that he filmed is missing
0: yeah they can't find it yeah it's
1: weird but uh did you get a kick in the balls
0: um i'm going to have to say i have to say it's don Coscarelli. <laughs>
5: <laughs> so um,
0: you you are you already mentioned the reason because of the hottest chick in any of the movies who kept teasing and teasing and teasing didn't actually get to see him
1: okay let me say right now that you've given Oscar, Don Coscarelli three of the four yep <laughs> I'm gonna I give this I give it to him too on this one but it's I try to
0: hurt the ones I, I hurt the ones I love okay
1: I'm giving him the kick in the balls on this one, too. But mine is totally different. My reasoning is that I wanted closure with the Tim character Uh from part three. Uh And apparently in in part four, that character was written in script as, you know, in the beginning where they they show the rest of the third film. Uh (laughs) He was supposedly eaten by the uh, dwarves. But
0: how, how is it? He's like twice the dwarf size.
1: Exactly, but because of money constraints, they could never shoot that. So we never got any kind of closure on Tim, and well, because of that, and, and, I give Don Coscarelli a kick to the face and balls.
0: Well, you got to realize something too. I would think, well, maybe he didn't want just to just to whimsically throw in a last second reason for him not being in part four. But that's what they did in part three with Liz. Yeah, I mean, she got oh, killed she run away. <laughs> and Liz was attractive too, yeah, but she was no uh Jennifer no
1: she was no rocky,
0: oh my gosh <laughs> i think I think what really helped Rocky with me was the fact that her voice did not match her tough exterior, number no. one, and number two, she could use numb chunks on Maboles. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, that's it, man. That was a that was a fun little little uh, bonus episode to do.
1: Yeah, I really liked it. I like watching. Yeah, you know, I don't know what it is about watching movies in a series, but I'll sit down every so often and watch like Night of the Living Dead, and Day and Dawn, and all those movies. Uh, and something about watching movies in sequence that it, it's just appealing, and you get to see the flaws, and you get to see where they were going to go with it. Right. But sometimes you get to see how bad they have become.
0: <laughs> or just how the philosophy has changed. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: You get to Hellraiser, you get to Child's Play, and it's like, uh, oh. what?
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh. One day we're going to have to do Child's
1: Play. Uh, you know, we already did part five, or four. We did four, right? Yeah. We did. Me and you. We did Brad Chucky. The very first episode I was ever on with you, bud. Oh,
0: for the, because, uh, Catherine uh, Heigl yep. was. Oh, that's right. that's right. Don't call me, bud. I'll kick you in the balls.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's like calling someone guy. Hey, guy, hey. bud.
5: <laughs>
0: I do that on purpose. <laughs> You're supposed to catch that bitch. <laughs> Dude, but, uh, oh, all right, man. So, uh, you got any last thoughts about the Phantasm?
1: No, I, I, overall, I really enjoyed the series. Would you say that also?
0: Oh, Absolutely. Like I said, I put this up in the top you know, three or four uh, series of uh, horror series. Absolutely. All right, man. Well, thanks for uh, sticking with us through our uh, uh, Phantasm series. We talked a lot of balls and boobs. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, I guess that's usual. But uh, I guess that's it. So uh, from the cadaver lab, we will see you, bitches.
1: bitches.